Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. From Asthma Core Studios near Detroit, Michigan, it's Unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to Unregimented number 209. I'm Chris. I'm Aaron. I'm Rich. Welcome back. You know, I opening up my uh, Google News feed just to see what's going on. The section that's entitled Entertainment is all allegations of rape and, oh yeah, more rape, groping. It's uh, the sexual harassment see. section. So, yeah, it's all sexual harassment. It's insane. So, somewhere Bill Cosby is going, oh, thank God. Oh, I mean, he's, yeah. Bill Cosby. He can now hide amongst Bill Cosby looks like a, a fucking choir boy compared to half of this shit that's going on. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess, you know, who who's going <laughs> to... All movies from here on out are going to star Ryan Gosling. <laughs> well, no, I saw it. someone. That's someone, all we have left. <laughs> someone made up a uh, a mock movie poster. Uh, it says a Weinstein Company presentation of a Roman Polanski film, Planet of the Rapes. It's got Bill Cosby, <laughs> Kevin Spacey, and uh, 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 Trump on, <laughs> on, the, on the cover. <laughs> Yeah, Kevin like, Spacey is one of the the bigger stories oh, out of all this, and this actually bums me out, dude. Like, I mean, you're a House of Cards fan, aren't you? I am. Openly, I'm a Kevin Spacey fan. Yes, I am it's too. True. I, I have, true. I have gushed about this man multiple times. I think he's an amazing actor, and. It's really this is really sad. This is probably the most upsetting out of any of the uh out of the sexual harassment allegations only because I I enjoy his work so much and I wanted like House of Cards was kind of getting a little stale. I mean, I didn't hate I watched all the last season. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. I didn't stop watching it like Iron Fist, which I couldn't even get through. But I was I wanted it to continue. But see now I'm I, now I'm glad I saved. I only got through the first two seasons, and for whatever reason I never went through the. What did they? How many there's five total. There's five. Okay, so for, they were filming one, the sixth and final eight. one. Yeah, season the first three seasons are are pretty damn solid, and it seems like well I don't know the final fifth season had a a good ending, but. It seemed to wander a lot to get to that ending. But, you know, anyway, I don't think we're ever going to... I mean, first it was that they had suspended production on it. Then I last heard that, no, it was just shut down completely. That's it. You don't get to know what happens to Frank Underwood now. That that Kevin Spacey is now going in the bin of unusables. That this, this man's name is mud and cannot be... I mean, who knows? Well, okay, hold on one sec, because I just want to. Yeah. I just want to touch on this briefly. Okay. Now, you said there's that, been that's more accusations. Said too, by the way. Apparently, yeah. Um, <laughs> you said there's been more accusations. We'll get into that in a minute. But I just want to say, if if it's solely, if someone's accused solely of sexual harassment, like verbal, like 
you know, mm-hmm. I guess, I guess taking normal flirtatious shit too far when it's un when it's unwelcome or if someone's accused of making a pass at somebody an unwelcome pass and that's it does that person really deserve to lose the ability to make a living i mean because right. that, I, unless there's sex unless there's contact or rape it's it, it, you're, you're talking about signals that could have got fucking mixed Vibes that could have got fucking misread. It right. happens all the time. Well, like, yeah, I've never pulled out my dick as a move. <laughs> you know? Exactly. But I'm not Yet. a millionaire actor all over TV and movies. So. But a lot of these accusations and I'm not saying come that out when these guys weren't that. Well, I'm sorry, I mean, what's that? A lot of these accusations are coming out when these people weren't in the power positions like especially the kevin spacey shit he was a he was a theater geek the first one i heard was that it was he was like around 24 to 26 the age kind of got muddled and there was a a 14 15 year old kid who was in a production with him and it was they were at a rap party or something and he made a pass at him a drunken pass at him and apparently that was like the i'm like okay is well, it, wait a minute. I, I think we're getting. You might be getting your stories confused on this. Honestly, there is a the accusation of uh, that happened in 2012. Where oh no, I'm talking about the was, one that happened in the 80s. That's I don't the think first that, one I heard that's of. not that's not the one with the teenager that was the last one at the party. Uh, I swear what was that the 2012 was, one. That was it. That was the the. Let's see. Okay. Uh, Accusations made by Star Trek actor Anthony Rapp, who alleged in a BuzzFeed article when he was 14 years old. Okay, no, you're right. Made sexual advances towards him in 1986. So I apologize. You you are you do have your your facts straight on that. Yeah. So this was sexual advances. Is it inappropriate for a 14 year old kid? Yes, but yes. Is that a crime in and of itself? I think is it laying a crime naked like, on top of an underage person is a crime. Is that what he accused him of doing? Yeah. Like, he it, he came out of the bathroom, Nate. Well, okay, well, it so gets here, really fuzzy here because I don't, I, I, it's not like I condone this behavior, but the situation was Kevin Spacey and this boy alone because everybody else had left the party. And this 14-year-old kid is the last one there. And he's in the bedroom, laying on the bed. Why? All right? I mean, again, this is not to... Let's, let's talk about this separate from, from whatever's going on with Kevin Spacey. What the fuck is this kid doing? It's not like Kevin Spacey is out searching the streets for some young kid. Like, this, this kid was, looked like he was offering himself up to Kevin Spacey. Now... I think most people would say, you know, this is not cool. You know, hopefully they can find somebody their own age. But, again, here's this kid throwing his ass at you, basically. And then, apparently, either he's completely oblivious or he just straight up changed his mind, right? I mean, I don't think at that point 
unless you're just completely out of your mind. You don't see Kevin Spacey coming out of the bathroom naked and go, whoa, where's all this coming from? Yeah, because I'm reading his statement right now that he gave to BuzzFeed, which is, my memory was that I thought, oh, everybody's gone. He says he was in a bedroom watching television by himself pretty much. He was the youngest person at the party. He said, oh, yeah, everybody's gone. Well, I guess I should probably go home. Uh, He said that Spacey sort of stood in the doorway kind of swaying. My impression was that he came in the room and he was drunk. He picked me up like a groom picks up a bride over the threshold. But I don't, like, squirm away initially because I'm like, what's going on? And then he lays down on top of me. He was trying to seduce me, Rap said. I don't know if I would have used that language, but I was aware he was trying to get with me sexually. Um... And, and, and this guy was trying to get with Kevin Spacey sexually and then chickened I out mean, or whatever. Or maybe I, I don't know if I go that far, but I think so. I don't buy his story. I'm not again, I'm not saying that it excuses Kevin Spacey's behavior, but I don't buy his story that he was he went and watched TV in his bedroom until everyone left and was like, Oh, I guess I'll go home. What well, see, there's another there's another layer to this 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 incident that I the minute I heard about it and the minute that I heard about the age difference, I was like, I went right back to the interview that George Takei gave with Howard Stern about his yeah. first boyfriend, right? And how he was like 15 and his first boyfriend was in his early to mid 20s. Yep. Same thing with Milo. Is um, it didn't Milo do it and he got? Fucking yeah, vanished my, for like a year. Yeah, yeah my yeah they right. they they ran Milo off for almost yeah almost a year for for saying the same thing, and then I won't name names because it's not my place to put the person's name out there, but I've had a few friends of mine over the years who were gay tell me the exact same thing that their first boyfriend there was a what would be if it was a older male and a younger female, it would be a horrifying age gap. Right, like, well, like you know, especially you 15, know, this 16 is somebody in twenties. So. Right. Imagine if, if this is an older male who is living out as a gay man, and you're somebody who's probably just now, as a teenager, coming to terms with your sexuality and figuring out that you are gay. And how could I mean, you would look up to somebody like that. This, uh, you know, this this person that is proof that it's possible to, you know, have a, a, a normal life and not be some ostracized freak. And, and I can definitely see a situation where that happens a lot. And it's a situation that's that uh, makes it easy for an older man to take advantage of a younger man. But it doesn't always have to go that way. I think the, you know, the the point that George Takei and that Milo Yiannopoulos which, I mean, I think both of them would flip their lids if they thought they were being uh, you know, used in the same sentence for the same comparison. But I, the point they were trying to make was that it's possible to have these relationships and not be damaging. It's possible to, that an older person can leave a younger person better than, than, when, they found, than uh, when they found them. Well, it was, it was a, my one friend who told me his story. And this was years ago that he told me this story. So this isn't... Like, I totally believe him. This isn't anything like, oh, hey, you know, maybe he's not attention-seeking and he's not that type of guy anyways. But the, 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 the difference between him and his first boyfriend was like 13 years. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, he was in his teens and this gentleman was in his late 20s. And I was like, 
Wow, dude. I mean, like, you understand if that was me with a girl that age, and he goes, oh, completely. He goes, it would, it, you'd, have, you'd been in jail. But he, he, I don't want to, he didn't say that, but he in, kind of insinuated it, and I don't want to speak for him, and I don't want to claim to know what's, what's quote-unquote normal or the average relationship in you know the gay community because I'm not gay, but I did get the impression that this is not something that's like a remote fucking experience in the gay right. community, especially for you know guys who are still in high school who have their beard girlfriend and you know then carry on another relationship with someone completely removed from high school. That way, it doesn't affect their lives in any way. It's almost like a, you know, what the, he's not going to show up at my school. There's no reason for him to ever be down there. So it's almost as, you know, I met him online or I met him wherever and it's safe. And the, the word I keep hearing about this, this type of behavior is grooming. And I'm like, I don't know how comfortable I am with that because I don't think that's an accurate term. Grooming is what almost you do when you're trying to. Like, I, I think of grooming with, like, what the accusations that were against Michael Jackson. Right. Like, trying to earn a child's trust. And I got to see, I know this is not going to be a popular statement on my part. And I've said it before on the show. And depending on who we were talking about, I've either gotten shouted down or agreed with. So we'll see how it goes this time. Um, I think the age of consent laws really need to come down. I think it's ridiculous that we expect kids when their bodies go through the change and and they start having hormonal changes and biologically their bodies are at are are starting to mature sexually that we tell them no no because of puritanical laws we're holding on to and, and values we're holding on to you can't have sex for another 4 years right well and, you know at a certain point our culture just decided to randomly draw a line I mean, what, is, what does it mean to be 18? It means nothing, really. It doesn't mean something exclusive. It's not like something pops out of you when you turn 18 or sucks in or changes in any drastic way. Your body doesn't change. Your hormones don't change from when you were 17 or 16. I mean, no, I will say that I, I, a 13-year difference between someone in high school is a little much. It's, it's a lot much in my book. I would say a safe rule of thumb is if... You could have, if, if is the age difference between a high school freshman and a high school senior, I would say that that is a good guideline to start from, but I would also say it has to be taken on a case-by-case basis. Mm -hmm. but, but unfortunately, the law doesn't work on a case-by-case -case basis. you got to well, play also, black and white. If you can operate a car, you can operate a dick. You, uh, you can line. No. No, I don't know. <laughs> I think... You know, oh, really? We can trust you with tons of machinery, but your own <laughs> dick? No? Be careful with that dick, Eugene. Yeah. No, yeah. I, <laughs> oh, I was thinking from the female's perspective, a female operating a dick. But see, there you go. Well, that once, too. <laughs> once it gets into, once it gets into, you start talking about, okay, so a 15-year-old male and a 21-year-old male in a relationship I think there's a there's a lot more forgiveness for that than if it would be if it was a 15 year old female and a 21 year old yeah. male. 
Well, yeah, we, well, we've drawn these lines, and then we, we call the certain behavior when it's below this age level statutory rape. That's a horrible term. I mean, rape is rape, and rape is about dominance. It involves usually violence. You know, it's, it's, it's about asserting control over somebody. Um, that doesn't really have anything to do with what happens in cases that are considered statutory rape. Yeah, but if and, you get convicted of it and you go to prison for it, they look at it the exact same way. So you're going to have fun in there. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, yeah, like you're saying this is, this is definitely a, a touchy subject, and I, I think that what ideally needs to happen is that we don't have these these black and white situations where we actually deal with stuff on a case by case basis. But I, I don't know. I mean, on the other hand, maybe that's ex- expecting too much from our current legal system. Well, I, I mean, to, to, to kind of refocus on the Kevin Spacey thing. Yeah. The, the Anthony Rapp uh, accusation, it's like, okay, I, I didn't think it's, about it the way you thought about it. Yeah, why, why, am, why is he sitting at a party in New York City at 14 years old in Kevin Spacey's bedroom watching TV. Well, right. I mean, I'm assuming a lot of what was going on inside of Anthony Rapp's head when he was 14, but also everybody else is assuming a lot of what was going on in Kevin Spacey's head when he was 26 and taking Anthony Rapp at face value for what he says. But there's, if you just look at the facts of the story... It looks to me like a 14-year-old Anthony Rapp thought that he knew what he wanted, which was to get with this older man, and then freaked out and changed his mind at the last minute. And, you know, there's no accusation of Kevin Spacey, like, trying to hold him down on the bed or trying to stop him from leaving. It was like, okay, I read that one wrong. Have a good night, right? Yeah, and then there's the other accusation that I'm not sure who's, who who said well, it, or even if he was named, but it was that he was at uh, he was at Kevin Spacey's house, and he Kevin Spacey said, "You know, hey, you can have my bed," and kind of like I guess made a pass at the guy, and the guy was like, "No, uh, no, thank you. You know, I'm flattered, but I, I'm not interested." And he said that Kevin Spacey went to his living room, laid on his couch, and was he goes, "I could." hear him sobbing in the next room and I got the impression that he was like doing it because he wanted me to go in there and comfort him and I'm just thinking oh my god if that's the truth that is that is the move of someone who's mentally a fucking teenager like seriously what grown man is going to try to cry himself into some fucking sex (laughs) I mean that's what hard on I mean, I'm that's guilty. like what you- <laughs> <laughs> totally guilty. <laughs> okay, I mean, hold on. I cried as myself into a handy at least. <laughs> I don't know whether to say admirable. go ahead or to to, to go. I well, don't know if you want to go down this road, but I, <laughs> I guess it's your love. No, no, no. But but as far as Kevin Spacey is concerned, this. <laughs> I've cried while jerking myself off. Does that count? <laughs> Back to Kevin. Um, 
are we slicing this thin because we have so much love for this man's work? That's what I'm also trying to decide. Right. I mean, that's to me, these stories paint a picture of this is not Harvey Weinstein, right? This is not the same situation. Like he may have made some errors, but his nature doesn't sound predatory. Well, there's there's one guy who came, who said at a club, uh, Kevin Spacey grabbed his dick, and yeah. he suffered PTSD for six months after that. And I'm like, okay, he dude, grabbed a gay guy's dick at a club, like I'm guessing probably club a gay was, club, right? Okay, <laughs> yes, I've literally been at a bar shooting pool with my buddies, and a drunk chick has come up and grabbed my ass. I didn't suffer PTSD from it. I've been yeah. groped in the in the back, in the front, by women at parties, at clubs, women who I had no interest in, and I didn't suffer PTSD from it. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's wired exactly like me, well, no. but you're telling me a guy at a gay club groping or, 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 or cupping your fucking dick and balls gave you the exact same feeling as people who go through fucking combat and sexual molestation and abuse as children go through, then, dude, you are a fucking pussy of epic proportions. If you weren't gay, I'd call you a fag. But you're gay, so I won't. But I don't mean gay. I mean you're a fucking weak-ass pussy. Get the fuck over shit. And, I I mean, that to me sounds like a guy who's like, I'm looking for a payday. Yeah. There's a lot of these stories sound like they're trying to take advantage of the environment and the situation to pull out stories that were a big nothing before. I mean, look, if you're a sexually active adult, you've probably had an experience where something went the way that, you know, a way that you didn't think it was going to, whether you are on the... The giving or receiving end of that, you know, it, maybe some chick tried to slip a digit in your butthole and you were like, whoa, wait a minute. I didn't know you're into that shit. And you just got up and left. You didn't go. I was sexually scared. You didn't 20 years later. Oh, this chick, I'm going to sue her because she tried to finger my butthole. I didn't give consent for that. Well, I mean, I didn't leave, like, but I definitely put a stop to the act, sat on the edge of the bed, lit a cigarette, and, and was like, we need to have a conversation about why you would think that's okay <laughs> without yeah. announcing yourself. Knock before <laughs> you come in, okay? I mean, yeah, right, yes. <laughs> like, I, I've never just hey, been hitting it from the back and been like, surprise, butt sex. It just doesn't work that way, okay? Right. But no, none of this to me, spells out predator. None of it spells out, you know, like mentally deranged in some way. Like people want to paint him like some sex crazed maniac. It really makes me, it makes me, to me, he seems like a very socially awkward, pathetic, uncomfortable in his own skin person. He doesn't sound like he's a very confident guy when it comes to his sexuality. He sounds quite pathetic if he's literally in the next room crying because the guy was like, thanks, but no thanks. And and then, oh, and then the other thing is that the same guy who said he heard him crying in the next room says he woke up the next day. And it, Kevin Spacey, he goes, I woke up fully clothed. I had not been molested or, or, or messed with in my sleep, as far as I know. But Kevin Spacey's sitting there sleeping with his head on his chest. I mean, that sounds... 
this sounds like Kevin Spacey's got some serious separation issues. Like, get some fucking therapy, dude. Like, I almost... Well, I, yeah. I, don't, I almost feel bad for the guy, because it's like, how pathetic can you be? You're... <laughs> Like, I mean, Jesus, dude. And this isn't when he's like Kevin Spacey now. This is when he was just a guy in his 20s, probably trying to come to grips with his sexuality. He said that he's been in a relationship with women before. There's no reason for me not to believe him. So, I mean, maybe he was confused and he he couldn't handle the rejection and whatever. When you get like Harvey Weinstein, the James Toback shit, that is... A clear-cut case of, I'm going to offer you something in exchange, or I'm going to offer you a role or a contract in exchange for sex, and I'm going to forcefully offer you this role. Right. And even if you turn me down, I'm going to finish myself off in front of you into a potted plant if need be. I mean, that that's a different level than unwanted advances. And right, and cute. and no, and Kevin Spacey's response doesn't seem to be "What the fuck? I'm Kevin Spacey. Like you can't say no to me. Like I'm." Or it's, I don't know. You know, it is. It's going to be interesting because uh, I thought I had I had heard that Netflix was officially canceling the sixth season of uh, House of Cards, but I also knew that they were in production for it. Currently, so they have you know millions of dollars wrapped up in this already, and this story came out today as we're recording this on Thursday. It says Netflix confirmed the sixth season of the series would be its last, so they are going to finish production on season six. And I mean, if they're going to actually put more money into it, then it's going to come out. And I think this is a situation where we actually get to decide, like if this sticks or not, you know, in most situations you're like, well, you know, we find out these horrible accusations about this person and then they have to be immediately punished and go away. Yeah. All their projects are immediately killed. And you know, that this person is now, is now poisoned because of these allegations, regardless of whether they're true or not, we should point out, you know, before, you know, these decisions are made not based on convictions. These decisions are made based on accusations. Well, it's kind of like when I heard that the, the, the last Weinstein Corporation or Weinstein Company movie came out yeah, just recently. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people were like jumping up and down and celebrating. It only did $700 in the theaters and good for them and this and that. And I just, I was like, wait a minute. Okay, hold on. Yeah. Harvey Weinstein is one person and he's a very important person involved in the production of this movie since it came through him and his brother's company. Mm -hmm. But there's hundreds of other people that worked on this hundreds. movie. Do they deserve to be shit on? This on? Movie, thousands that worked on so many different productions. And it's you like this, this, this whole, well, we can't enjoy anything that Harvey Weinstein was ever attached to ever again because of what he did. Okay, well, I got news for the people who feel that way. You can go ahead and boycott everything that any artist who ever worked with Harvey Weinstein want, you know, has ever done with him and will do in the future. I'm not going to throw away all my DVDs of Quentin Tarantino, Kevin Smith, uh, uh, 
uh, Darren Aronofsky, uh, right. et cetera, et cetera, David Fincher movies, just because one of the guys, yeah, that one of the head guys, but still one guy in his company is a fucking scumbag. I'm not going to do that. And if that makes me some sort of shit lord rape apologist in their in their mind, then so fucking be it. But well, right. I'm I mean, it'd be one thing. <clears throat> sorry, it'd be one thing if like the the Weinstein company fought this in solidarity with Harvey and kept him on as as head of the company. Then I would have to actually make a decision on like, okay, I'm going to support with my dollars. A company whose CEO I think is a vile person, or not CEO, but whatever his actual position would be and was in the company. But yeah, I mean, you're talking about all these allegations come out. He gets fired. He's not associated with, even though his brother is there, and you can argue that you know there is probably a lot that the company knew was going on. Certainly, they had a contingency for this, but that guy is now gone. So I think. You can go back to watching a Weinstein production if it's a good movie. Yeah, I mean, I okay, it's 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 like at one point in my family, I I don't know why this is. Everybody drank Pepsi for years and years and years and years, Gross. and then and hey, fuck you! I for whatever reason, because I was raised on, I drink Pepsi, whatever. Even though I am enjoying <laughs> a Coke right now. Um, but anyways, yeah, so uh, then like in the late 90s when the Michael Jackson accusations wholesale started coming out, mm-hmm. people in my family were like, no, we don't drink Pepsi anymore. We switched to Coke. Oh, Why? Well, because they supported they support a, f- a fucking child molester, Michael Jackson. I'm like, yeah. when was the last time Michael Jackson did a Pepsi commercial? When he caught on fucking fire in the 80s. Right. No one yeah, was what did they drink? of... No one was accusing him of fucking children then. He what have they done getting, since Bill Cosby? Like, try and find a, a place that still sells tab? I guess it's Mr. Like, Pitt. What do you have left? <laughs> if well, they no, lived up here, like they'd Dr. be drinking... If, well, yeah. If they lived up here, they could drink Fago, but then they'd be, you know, attached to ICP, but whatever. It just, no, that's not good any, either. Then they'd have to drink, like, the generic store brand cola. <laughs> Big K, three liters, yeah. Right. No, thank yeah. you. I'm going to pass on that. But... It, I remember you know, talking to my uncle, and I'm so like, Kevin, I'm Kevin Spacey for Big K Soda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. There goes that one. Let me, let me drop my pants, and I'll show you why they call it Big K. <laughs> but, uh, but, but no, man. I mean, fucking, I'm, I was like, explain to my uncle. I go, look, man, it was in the 80s when he made those commercials for Pepsi. It, these accusations didn't start coming out until, like, the, what, the early 90s? And... But him and Pepsi had parted ways long before that. Why are you going to boycott a company who had nothing to do with any of this at the time he's uh, when he was being accused of this shit? And he couldn't understand. He's like, well, they they gave him money to promote their product at one point. Oh, and I'm just like, right? But they didn't. Yeah. they weren't like funneling him kids in payment. Yeah, they weren't like. Well, what, what do you want? Do you want the redheaded, the 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 little toe-headed one, or you know, do you you in the mood for Chinese today? We got a couple kids off the boat. I mean, you know, it. it I'm like, I don't understand that attitude. But then again, we're also in a in nowadays 
were in Problem the, with the Chinese kids. You're horny again an hour later. An hour later, yeah. <laughs> I was deciding ah. whether to go with the joke or not. <laughs> I had to say it. <laughs> but no, I, I, you know, I, I just don't. We're at the point nowadays where one, and this is this is this is something I, I'm standing hard and fast by, and I don't really care if people have a problem with it. That's their problem. An accusation is not as good as a conviction. Period. All right. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but I don't think that one or two accusations should end someone's career. Now, when you have an overwhelming amount of evidence and it hasn't gone to court yet, uh, you know, for example, Harvey Weinstein. Okay. I feel pretty comfortable saying that that motherfucker probably did all that shit. All right. I feel pretty comfortable saying that Kevin Spacey is probably the most awkward person (laughs) in his twenties to ever make a pass at another gay man that I've heard of. Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, there are, there's a lot of, it seems there's a lot of actual predators that are being exposed during this whole fallout from Harvey Weinstein. Kevin Spacey is not one of those. But here's but here's where I was also going with that. Why the fuck does one does, does one accusation and this it, it this isn't limited to sexual assault, harassment or rape. This is anything these days. One accusation is as good as a fucking conviction. And if you fuck up one time, say one word someone doesn't like, have one domestic violence incidents, incidents that is, you know, whether it be as simple as, you know, cops show up and you two were yelling at each other and both people were taken into custody Okay, well, that's it. That guy's career is over with. He beats on women. Well, wait a minute. Is that what the police report says? Did they charge him with it? Was he convicted of it? No. Is that new villagers coming for Frankenstein mentality? It's and this a is, phenomenon and this is, of the last decade, I'd say. And I, once again, don't really care if someone fucking disagrees with me. I'll fucking back up my, I'll back my point up with facts. I dare you. I challenge you to fucking come at me with something besides or or with facts that counter my point, this shit is driven by these fucking people with agendas, these fucking radical feminists, these people who want to fucking inject race into everything, and people who have agendas to push and see this as a way to get their agenda into the spotlight. Because we have something called due process in this country. Whether these people like it or not, we still have it. And until that's gone, I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt. And what? Innocent to proven accus- guilty? One or two accusations with, you know, and, and their he said, she said accusations aren't enough to fucking convince me of something. Sorry. I mean, you're going to have to come up with some fucking, with some hard evidence. And I'm all for people coming out and naming names. I completely am. But I think we're seeing a pattern here. With guys like James Toback, guys like Harvey Weinstein, all these women come out and they all, and guys like Bill Cosby, they all have the same story or variations on a theme. And just like if you've ever taken a class or, or, or watched enough documentaries on serial killers or anything, people who commit crimes like this over and over again have a pattern they use. It's, 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 it's built into them. 
it, it's the way they do things. It's step by step by step to do this right. when they commit well, these crimes also, over and over again. It's also based on certain triggers. <coughs> exactly. Predictable triggers that will trigger predictable behavior from these people. So I just it's, – it's, it's real irritating now that because this is exactly what I was afraid of what was going to happen is now happening. Because now accusations are flying all over the place against people. I've, I've read – I mean some of these people are like – I won't even call them B-list or C-list celebrities. We're talking D-list celebrities. We're talking people who unless you read the, you know, Forbes magazine, you don't know who the fuck they're talking about because they're, they're heads of business or whatever. And there's one accusation coming here, a couple accusations coming here, you know – every once in a while you'll get like a, a ton of accusations, but they're all paying the same price. The one accusation it is as good as 40 accusations. And that's just not right. It's not fucking right. And I'm sorry, but you, the public does not get to decide who gets to make a living based well, on one single or two or three accusations just because they're outraged. They do now. Well, I mean, that if that's the case, right. it's just what happens I, no, now. No, you're absolutely right. And you know what? Cue Nero with the fucking, with his violin. And you know what? I welcome it at this point. Let's just go down the fucking shitter and just go screaming and having a good old time. Because fuck <laughs> it. I don't give a, seriously. Western culture is turning into garbage. It, it, in, it's either Australia or New Zealand. There are politicians putting forth that if you're accused of any type of sexual crime, you are guilty until proved innocent. The burden of proof is on the accused. They're trying to pass Damn. that law. I don't live in that world. And it, just like we said about slippery slopes when it comes to, to, to making laws, you can, you can maybe try to argue against the slippery slope as far as social, social norms and, and et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to making laws... You can't argue against it because once you set the precedent, you're opening the floodgates. Mm -hmm. Well, right, because if you're deciding that this case of sexual harassment is so extreme that we need to bend the rules for it, that even though for other cases, even fucking murder, it's innocent until proven guilty. Well, but these are very serious cases and a lot of accusers don't want to come out. So we have to encourage them to. So we'll, we'll just flip that and say, you know, guilty until proven innocent. Well, if you accept that, well, then somebody's going to come and say, well, wait a minute. Murder is a more serious crime. So shouldn't we be doing it for that as well? I, and, and I think so there's a case, there's a case so to be on, made. And so on. I mean, once you change the way that you – the basics of how you think about your law, you, it spreads. It doesn't – you can't just contain it to that. Well, this is just talking about these instances where females are accusing males of sexual assault. Well, I was going to say when it comes to murder, I think we've – we kind of have a half-assed way of, of, of saying you're guilty till proven innocent because murder, there's no bail for. That's true. They're saying you're such a, a risk, even though you haven't been proven to be, get, to be guilty, you're such a risk that we won't let you out of jail, no matter what you put up, no matter how much money you put up, no matter how much we take your passports away, et cetera, et cetera, house arrest, none of it. Right. Yeah, you know, I think it was 
Jeez, maybe it was on 99% Invisible or one of the podcasts like that. Maybe it was a, a Freakonomics thing. They were talking about the bail system in this country and how rigged it is and how it's basically just priming somebody for prison, both in, in their behavior and uh, the uh, public perception. And weighing that against the fact that just almost nobody runs, that it's it's not like, you know, everybody's got a million dollars to jump on a jet and go to France or some oh, country definitely. where they can't extradite you. Like, but anyway, that's that's kind of a separate issue. Yeah, that's um, opening up a whole new discussion. Well, right. So, I don't know what else we can we can say about this. I mean, it, I know a lot of what I said, and probably Rich, a lot of what you said, people could take out of context and go. These guys are like pro-pedophilia. They're like, teenagers should be getting it on. And that all these uh, sexual harassment allegations are, are bullshit until they can prove that. You know, and, and that's not what we're saying. It's, it's not always that, that black and white. There's a lot of just plain old judgment going on here where people just want to feel like they're better than somebody else. Like, hmm, I told you, I told you all of Hollywood is corrupt and fucked up. Well, I will say this. And, I, it, I don't, as far as Kevin Spacey goes, the statement I read, people are trying to put a spin on it, depending, it seems like, on what side of the political spectrum they're on. And I don't think there's much spin to be put on it. I think he came out and said, I don't remember an incident like that with this gentleman. And if it did yeah, happen... Did, yeah. It happened in a very drunken state right? and pretty inexcusable. And I mean, to me, that's him being fucking honest. And he I've did apologize blackout. for it, too. He's like, I mean, obviously it happened. I don't remember it, but I apologize. I mean, I've been blackout drunk, and the next day people have been like, don't you remember what you did? Nope. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, can't, I can't take, I, I mean, I can take responsibility as, it, as in it was me that did it. It was me that picked that fight with that guy. It was me that pissed in the fucking corner of the fucking, bed, you know, living room or whatever. But I don't remember doing it. And my intent, I, believe me, my intent when I started off that night, when I had my first drink, wasn't, I'm going to get so drunk, I'm going to piss in the corner and show everyone my dick and be the home entertainment center for the night. <laughs> it's not my intent. And so all I can do is go, dude, I'm sorry, man. I, I don't remember it. And I, you know what I need to do? I need not fucking drink as much. Maybe even possibly hit a fucking meeting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. And it sounds to me, I've been on the end of that conversation. It sounds like what Kevin Spacey did. What, what other people are doing is, nope, I'm denying it completely. It never happened. I don't care how many accusations there are. You know, there could be 40 women standing there saying all the same thing. And I do the same move. And I, my, my, one-on-one -on -one parties in the hotels were known in Hollywood to be, you know, basically you're going to watch fucking Harvey jerk off or shower naked in front of you, which once again, I, I, I do want to say this about this. Growing up, I had some friends that I was like, I was always kind of wondered about like, Ugh. I wonder if they've, you know, I'll never know. And for the most part, I don't know any of these people anymore unless it's like their acquaintances through other friends anymore, but like, I've had some friends I've wondered if like, eh, does no not mean no to them? You know what I'm saying? 
And even if I thought they, that they were the type of person to hear the word no, and that, that means maybe or try harder in their mind, I don't know if it, like this move of just whipping your dick out and just like, you know, I know it's pretty, but take it out for air. I don't. Are we the fucking weird ones? Are we the odd ones out that we don't do this no. shit? I mean, certainly I've uh, apparently I've heard stories of this of this working for whatever reason, but it's never <laughs> it, it's never the story of like tell me how you met your wife. Like this is a so story. I pulled on my dick of, at a club, <laughs> and it was love at first sight. I mean, I've taken my dick out These my pants. Usually, when her hand was on my dick over my pants, I was like, "Here, let me help you with that." Usually, it's it's taken out for you or directed to be taken out. Right. Yeah. Uh, whip, just going ahead and whipping your dick out before you've even established some sort of sexual relationship with the person is not mentally. It's not healthy behavior, and that working as a move, you've that that person who accepts that is not mentally healthy either. Listen, we're just going to address the elephant in the room here. I know you're wondering what it looks like. I'm just going to take it out. We'll get this over with. Speaking of elephants. (laughs) You picked up what I was putting down. Elephantitis. Okay, but, you know, we've got a lot. We've got a lot else going on this week that we should address. Um, What? There, well, there was the terrorist attack in New York City, and I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I've told you privately my theory about that, but I think we can get to that. Easy, um, Alex. Well, you know, t- this kind of ties in because we were talking about you know, the the uh, the courtroom of public opinion when it comes to uh, what's going on in Hollywood currently, and the. Our, our president tweeting out about what should be done with this uh, this guy who was actually, you know, this is a terrorist attack where the terrorists actually lived, and we have to decide what to do with them. And Trump has a lot of opinions about that and has been openly tweeting about them. Even with fellow conservatives like uh, Ben Shapiro is one of them saying, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, everybody... <laughs> Everybody agrees with you. Everybody knows that this guy needs to be tried and, you know, given the death sentence. But you tweeting about it as the president is almost assuring that this guy is not going to be able to find an untainted jury pool in this country. It's going to make it very difficult to convict this terrorist. Someone needs to send Trump that meme that I sent you in the group chat. Like someone just needs to be... On standby at all times. The cat paw on top of the hand that says it's time to stop. This oh, guy yeah. On the keyboard. <laughs> Just someone needs to be on retainer to send Trump that meme at all hours of it the is. day. Oh, like, my God. Did you, did you watch this week's uh, Mr. Robot? No, uh, no, I have not. Okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> watched, I won't spoil it for you. I haven't watched uh, any of it yet. I'm letting them build up so I can just, like, have a big old, like, day where i just watch a whole bunch of them Mm -hmm. this this last episode you'll get to see well i know that we've seen tyrell uh since his initial disappearance but it this last episode fills in a lot of the cracks of what he was doing while he was gone and there's a definite (laughs) it's implied 
it's not a it's not a plot point that I'm giving away, but it is implied that the dark army is responsible for Trump. <laughs> ah. And they talk uh the, the one dude, what's the, the the um the guy who either dresses as a man or a woman? I don't uh depending on I don't who he's talking to, I guess, but yeah, he was talking about him as a as a usable puppet. Ah. But anyway, no. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. Is there anything that else to talk about this besides the fact that you know our our president is an idiot? I mean, this just, is just this the is, usual suspects came out with the usual bullshit that. The same people that were tweeting a month ago that all white all white American men need to apologize to the country and the world for the shooting in Vegas are now tweeting about how this is one person. This doesn't represent the religion of love, Islam. And I'm just like, can't they both be assholes? <laughs> right. What? You know, I'm sorry. Was all of white America up there shooting? Was all of Islam in that fucking truck? How about this? How about he? They're both fucking cocksuckers. How about that? Right. Well, both sides have both left and right have this double standard when it comes to this subject. I mean, th- there was the talk about how the the incident in Vegas shouldn't uh, shouldn't be a reason to talk about guns. We can't politicize this. Oh, you know, if we you want to talk about gun control right away, why are you politicizing this tragedy? And then. Immediately after the terrorist attack in New York, Trump is talking about, uh, you know, that, that we're going to, uh, well, what was the, the lottery, the, the immigration lottery program that he got in on. And he, so Trump was talking about how he need, or he's going to be much more strict about that, much more strict about immigration, basically using this strategy and politicizing it and saying we're going to use this as an excuse to get some legislation passed for things that we want to happen in this country, which is the same thing that the yeah, left was talking about when it comes to gun control after the Nevada attack. Don't all politicians do that, regardless of what color tie? You know. Yeah, but they also seem to be able to say that, like, you know, when I mean, they don't say it like he says it. And Nobody it, says anything like he says it, but whether it's appropriate or not ties directly into whether it conforms directly with their beliefs or what they want to accomplish. You know, if they're not for gun control, then it's inappropriate. If they're I mean, for what? immigration control, then then it's totally appropriate. You know, nine eleven was it, used to push the Patriot Act. I mean, it's, it seems like everybody. Well, I think know. the bigger point here, though, is that there is no ground where there's there's no mourning period where anything is inappropriate to talk about you know (coughs) tragedies happen but you know unless you were directly affected by this unless you knew somebody that was affected by this unless it directly affected your life it's not keeping you up at night i don't care what the fuck you're putting on twitter you're not losing any sleep over these tragedies and it is up to the rest of us to talk about what this means and how we address it and whether we can prevent the, these types of incidents. Well, you know, so just now, I don't, I don't think there's any such thing as a, as a period of, well, we can't politicize this tragedy. No, let's every politics is in everything, including tragedies. To me, just how there is the, the if, 
if we're going to have guns, there's going to be gun violence, and you just have to accept it. If we're going to have religion, there's going to be religious violence. You just have to accept it. There's going to be cars. There's going to be car accidents. If you're going to make sidewalks, people are going to fucking, you know, scrape their elbows up. And believe me, as much as I would, when I was younger, I was one of those people who was, ban all religion, ban all religion. That's, you, you can't ban ideas and thoughts, all right? And that's what, that's what and beliefs, and that's what religion is. That's, right. You really want to get down to it, it is faith in baseless, f- factless ideas and thoughts and beliefs. And you're never, you're never going to get rid of that. All I do now is go, can we somehow get like more educated people out there? Can, can we educate people better? Because well, yeah, maybe well, then, then they'll see the fallacy in this bullshit on their own, and there'll be less and less of this happening. Just like if we educated people, we're not educated, but if we, we, we took better care of people with mental illness in this country... We wouldn't have as much crime that's tied to mental illness in this country. Mm-hmm. But, you know, who am I to speak logic and reason? What an well, asshole. We're back yeah, to treating I mean, symptoms, a, a, not the disease. A lot of shit has gone down all over the world for, for centuries now. A, a lot of bad shit has gone down in the name of religion, right? But if there was just no such thing as the concept of religion, it wouldn't change our behavior, you know, People are just using religion as an excuse for behavior that they would do anyway. And I think what would actually be more dangerous is a lot more people running around scared and not having you know, any idea what's, what happens after you die or what the meaning of life is, much less why does the sun come up. The, the idea, people, I think, are, are more dangerous in an ignorant state. And even though religion offer, allows them the ability to live in, in, in an, a willfully ing, ignorant state, they feel like they do have the answers, and that's very comforting to them. So does that make any sense? Yeah. I mean, like, religion is for people who like, can't accept, I don't know. It's always been my take on it. Right. And, and I, that's the most useful thing about any religion and why it does exist. I mean... Yeah, if we if we didn't have the ability to kind of make up stories and believe them, then we would. Yeah, I think we would live in a lot more fear of the world around us, and and uh, just be more dangerous. Be like a cornered animal, or at least some of us. But anyway, I, I'm getting us off topic, though. We were talking directly about where were we on this uh, on the the New York uh, terrorist attack. Trump calling for his death. Yeah. Yeah, Trump's not helping. Um, helping, helping or hurting, Trump. Helping or hurting. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to get that guy a civics textbook. Like, here, dude, just read this. Yeah. you know, Learn how government way, works, please. The way, how, the way that um, terrorist attacks get reported always bothers me. This, this one in particular because, well, it's... There is notable things to talk about in this this incident in New York, this attack, because this was following a game plan laid out by ISIS that we've seen happen in Europe over and over again. This is the 
the first time that we've seen this definitive of, uh, you know, following the ISIS instruction book on how to kill somebody cheaply and efficiently happening on American soil. But, you know, most of the the headlines, most of the stories start out with, like, this was the the worst terrorist attack in New York City, or the worst terrorist attack on American soil since 9-11. First of all, like, no shit, and way to... Uh, yeah, yeah, that that bothers me, too, the way they're, they're, they're packaging it. Like, it's, right. it's alarmist. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it very much is. And... It's kind of like the same way that we heard the the uh, recent natural disasters reported on. You know, this is mm-hmm. the worst storm since blah blah blah. This is a fifty year storm. It's a hundred year storm. It's a thousand year storm. I was expecting Florida to be missing right. after uh, which uh, whichever the big one was, the one that ended up being nothing. I, I told you. I don't know if I told you. I can't remember if I told you on air, or, like in the group chat, but. My family in Florida were right in the path of that thing, and I saw the pictures of the devastation, and it was literally like light poles knocked down, a statue in downtown Deland had, you know, had the, the, the head of the statue had been damaged from trees falling on it. And I'm like, I've seen a lot worse when I lived there. You know, I lived through worse when I was there. Like, it, it even when... It, Another case of point. Last time I was in Florida, when I was getting ready to drive back to Michigan, you know, all the weather news was like, "Oh my God, the snow is horrible and it's snow apocalypse 2012." Right. And I started driving, and I was like, "This is it. That's this is this is the end of the world. The 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 big one." I, I, it's a joke. <laughs> it's, it was just yeah. like, get out of here. Well, this is, I mean, this ringing the alarm bell style of journalism is, I mean, it's valid in certain cases where, you know, if you want to talk about, you know, a, a child sex slavering that's actually happening, not the ones that you know, run out of pizza shops by Hillary Clinton, but one that might be actually happening or something horrible like that happening in this country that people aren't talking about that doesn't hit the news on a regular basis, then I think it's appropriate to talk in about these uh, about this idea in alarmist ways because these are things that we should be paying attention to. Nobody is is thinking that we're not living in, a, in an age where terrorist attacks can happen in this country, right? Everybody's perfectly aware of that as a fact. And I think by this point, whether we want to talk about, you know, specifically ISIS-related terrorist attacks or, or some, any sort of uh, organization outside the country or whether it's just domestic terrorism, we all understand that there's no particular place, no state, no county that you can live in that makes you more or less vulnerable to these acts of what are essentially just random violence. They don't need to be quantified to, for us in ways that, that just seem like they're, they're purely there to scare people. Like, I just need my news to be informative. And this is the time where we need to talk about, you know, talk about this issue, about terrorism as an issue. Like, I think that it's appropriate that if Trump thinks that doing something about immigration will directly affect this, this what happened in New York and, and possibly stop it from happening in other places in this country, 
I think it's totally appropriate for him to speak up about it. I don't agree with him. I don't think that that's the right way to come at the problem. But there's no such thing as too soon. It's only too soon for the people who are directly grieving because they lost a loved one in this in this tragedy. And yeah, I guess it's. Uh, I mean, I'd like to see a lot, you know, of, I mean, a lot more of just straight fact reporting on this, and a lot less of, of finger pointing of like you can't politicize this and talk. I mean, yes, this is the time when we talk about what do we do when this shit happens. Would There's they no have, better time to talk about it. Would, would they have rather George? Uh, would they have rather W waited like three days before he addressed nine eleven? Think about too soon. Think about just human nature in general, right? If you just randomly turned to your significant other and started talking about what would happen if you died and who would get what and is there a will and where do I get buried or cremated? Like nobody just pulls these conversations out of their ass on a Wednesday night. But your grandmother or somebody close to you dies and you go to the funeral and you're thinking about it and you're like, fuck, man. Like, I, you know, so this person wasn't prepared and now I'm thinking about it and we should have a plan. That is when you talk, when tragedy strikes, it does make you think. If it doesn't directly affect you and you're not directly grieving, if you're human, you are thinking, fuck, what if that happened to me? And at other times, we don't. We just don't think about it. So, yeah, I mean, if you're going to talk about what to do to prevent these, I don't know when else you talk about it. Do we set a date? Do we have a national talk about terrorism day? <laughs> do we set uh, for first Wednesday of every month is the day where everybody gets together and decides where we're at on terrorism? Because, I mean, mm -hmm. like, shit, tragedies are just going to keep happening. If we constantly put this buffer on everything that happens and say, well, we can't talk about it for X amount of days because it's just inappropriate. It's really gauche, you know? It's improper to even address it to try and politicize this. Well, those they're just going to overlap. We'll never talk about it. Yeah, when do, when do you talk about it? If not now, when? Yeah. That's well, there's also the fact there's there's also the fact that we're talking about it as Americans. We're very late to the table. This is something yeah. that other countries have dealt with for decades and decades before the average American even thought about terror attacks on, oh, on no American doubt. soil. There's and, Europeans that are going. Look at these Americans falling to pieces. Exactly. Exactly. And the, yes, it's a tragedy when the shit happens. But my God, you're like a bunch of children the the sad reality of it is is that there's nothing anyone can do to prevent this from happening period it's going to happen as long as someone is determined right. to attack us or to attack anybody using any type of guerrilla warfare or terroristic tactics there's right. nothing that can be done well, to stop it all you yeah. can do and i know this is very busham or w of me but it's the honest to God's truth. All you can do is live your life and not let it fucking rule your life. Go shopping. <laughs> I didn't say go shopping. Yeah. I, didn't no, say, I, I didn't say, I didn't say I by, but I hear by you. shrink wrap and duct tape, and that's going to save you when the shit hits the fan. But I have people in my family who are terrified of death and live their life accordingly. And so as a consequence, they don't have a life. And... You can't do that. You can't walk around going, oh, my God, right. what if, what if, what well, if? Well, I think, Rich, you know, I think that you and I think very similarly on this issue. And correct me where, where I'm different from you on this, but I, 
you know, while you have to look at these situations and understand that these are two different situations, this what happened in Vegas and what happened recently in New York, right? Two tragedies, multiple deaths. You know, when talking about how do we try and prevent this from happening, then, yeah, you do have to talk about where are these people from, where are they getting their ideas, what, put, what uh, brings them to this point in their lives where they choose to do this. Those are two different paths for two different people. But there's something very much at the core of the type of person who makes this type of decision that is the same. Yeah. That there's, there's at the core primal behavior of what makes a guy decide to rent a truck, grab a Bowie knife, and start mowing down pedestrians versus a guy who plans out an attack with automatic weapons on an unsuspecting crowd. There, very much there is a, a, a similarity in behavior that just seems to randomly appear in humans here and there. I, you know, unless we want to talk about scanning people's brains for psychopathic tendencies and genetically modifying them, this is something that we have to accept. That the bigger our society gets, the more people there are, the more you're going to have these outliers that are willing to do these extreme acts. And now in an age of, of instant information, it's not only just about the numbers, the size of the population and the percentage of the, that population that will go off the rails, but now everybody knows about it. Hey. You hear about it immediately, whether it happened in your state, your country, somewhere else in the world. So it seems like it, it just by the nature of the availability of information, it seems like an escalating problem. I remember having a conversation with, with a buddy of mine who'd spent quite a few years in the military. And I, pre I presented a, a, a hypothesis to him. And at first, he really bristled at it and kind of, he was, he was like legitimately pissed off at me until we, talk, we talked it out. And he was like, you know what? I kind of see your point. And I was like, what is really the difference between terrorists recruiting teenagers online? indoctrinating them taking all their 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 frustration and anger of uh, that comes for a lot of p kids at that age and giving it you know folk a, a, a focus giving them a, yeah and giving them an outlet and and what the military does with kids at that same age mm -hmm. right. and i mean That's it's sick. it's it's all it's really the same one is deemed more productive. I mean, you know, it's more productive to go in the military. And there's a lot of people who join the military who have no interest in killing people whatsoever. They just go, look, I just want this tech training and get the fuck out and go in the sure. private sector and make my money. That's it. Yet that, that John Wayne, you know, do you, do you sons of bitches want to live forever? Let's charge the fucking machine gun nest. That bullshit, that's for somebody else. There's a whole lot of people like that in the military. But, well, right. It's, it's I think it's because we want to be able to blame systems for corrupting people and not accept that, that, that there's certain people that are just going to be that way no matter what. I mean, let's say you're looking at somebody who joins the KKK and is committing acts of violence in the name of that organization, right? And you go, well, I mean, this, clearly this organization... It's vile, it's violent, it's racist. It shouldn't be uh, 
you know, it shouldn't be tolerated. But if you were to just magically make that organization disappear, all those people in that alternate version of history go on to just raise families and be taxpayers and, and normal Joes? No. You know, you suddenly solve all the problems in the Middle East and carve out the land in a way that makes everybody happy and you no longer have people being radicalized and committing acts of violence? No. Those people didn't disappear. Those people didn't change their behavior because of the organization. They were drawn to the organization because of their tendencies towards certain behaviors, right? Nobody goes, I'm going to see what this Ku Klux Klan is all about. Go sit down at a meeting. And they're actually making some sense. You know, I wasn't racist <laughs> before, but, you know, can't argue with that. And, you know, and are suddenly radicalized by this organization. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't happen with terrorists either. You know, yeah. they find terrorist organizations. These young men find these terrorist organizations because, you know, something that they witnessed or experienced firsthand or just a general belief that, you know, the, that the West is corrupt. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of people in the Middle East that believe that. There's plenty of people all over the world that think that the U.S. is fucked up, but they don't turn to violence because they don't have... (laughs) Well, not only do they maybe not have the the wider structure to attach themselves to, but they just don't have violent tendencies. You know? Well, I mean, there's also... Just being nuts. You know, one of the... Same again. If, If you took the guy that shot up the people in Las Vegas and somehow magically transported him to the Middle East and raised him there, he would have been the guy in New York, and vice versa. One of the, one of the things when, when shit like this happens and all the usual suspects come out and start, you know, picking their sides and dividing themselves up, that one of the things that, that, that come to mind is I remember when American History X first came out on DVD and I watched it with a friend of mine who's biracial and at the end of the movie he he was like he looked at me and he goes i'm uncomfortable and i said why he said because i kind of see and understand both like sides of the argument and i'm like what what do you mean he's like dude if i lived in a neighborhood and i was constantly getting my ass kicked because i was white why wouldn't you team up with the other white kids and be like you ain't fucking with us no more ain't happening he goes if i was in a neighborhood and i was constantly getting my ass kicked because i was black i would gang up with the black kids Team up with them and go, you ain't kicking our ass because we're black no more. I kind of understand both sides. And I'm like, I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I had nothing to do with making the movie, bud. But I guess, I, my guess is that's probably what the, the, the writer, director, whoever was trying to make people think with the movie. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, you can look at someone and go, yeah, that, that, they, you know, they're doing some evil shit. But behind it, there might actually be some reasons that you go, wait a minute. If that was me, would I feel the same way? Because every time a terror attack happens, the first thing I think is, okay, if it's not, I mean, it, and it's, it's, it's very convenient now because and it, and it's been very convenient, it seems like, since 9-11 because it was, it's Al-Qaeda and now it's ISIS. Right. And so we can just put the big bad boogeyman sheet over them and we don't have to, we don't have to look at, Anything we've done to antagonize the rest of the world to bring about this hatred towards us. Because we can just go, they're ISIS, they hate us for our freedom, 
fuck them. And we don't have to think about, well, you know, maybe if we didn't stick our fucking noses in every other country's business right. and weren't trying to fucking install democracy, which is an oxymoron. Install right. the fuck out of it. Well, the, Wherever we go, let, we let wouldn't me have this problem. Imagine this scenario, right? Let's say, let's say you haven't talked to uh, a friend in a while, right? You get, oh, it's been too long. We should get together. Let's have dinner. Let's have a drink, something like that. You go out with them. Oh, hey, what happened to that girl, Becky, that you were dating? Oh, man, she was crazy. She, that girl was nuts, man. You know, always accusing me of, of cheating and, and, and all this stuff. Never happy. And, uh, okay, well, what about that Kelly girl that you dated before? Didn't you say the same shit? Oh, yeah, that Kelly. She was nuts, man. Always accusing me of the same shit, man. Girls are all nuts. They're all crazy. Right. Every girl that you've been with is crazy, is nuts, has accused you of some behavior. Maybe it's not the girls. <laughs> and maybe it's you. Back. Maybe it's you, buddy. Like, maybe it's you, you. It's, it's, that's a valid thing. Like, and it's not defending any terrorist organization. It's just saying, look, this is a trend, right? This isn't going away. We got Osama, and it didn't go away. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we got Saddam. We just got more. Still here. We just we we just got more organizations popping up. So, what is going on that these organizations are organizing against us? Well, it your theory of punching more punching a Nazi makes more Nazis could apply here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to be fair, like I I that. I don't even know if I, if I said that tongue-in-cheek or not. Like, I'm not sure if I believe that. I think it's a valid well, point. It's about it can be martyrs easily... create followers is your overall point. Right. Like, for as much as a lot of people on the left know who Richard Spencer is because they'd like to punch him, I think you probably have more people on the right now knowing who Richard Spencer is and backing him because he got punched by some crazy liberal. Yep. And it's it's yeah, you you kill so, one boogeyman, you kill right. Osama, you kill Saddam, and guess right. what? You now have sympathizers that are going to band together and now have you now have a group of people that are going to come together in their hatred for you because you took out someone they admire. Right. Well, it's the same with the to, listen yeah, to whatever you want to organizations in the US that uh that we consider to be racist, um, you know, like, well, this nebulous term of the alt-right or the KKK or, uh, you know, any organization like that. We, we do need to address these, these organizations, but we need to address it at a deeper level, you know. And I don't know if there is an answer for it, but you need to figure out why are there so many people willing to band together behind these backwards ideas of skin color in this country still? Yeah, I understand. I understand what you're saying, man, but look, I fucking, I, I, I was in a debate with a person online in the last week and this person was posting videos about Charlottesville and, and making claims. And these videos were all very much in favor of Antifa and, you know, the I, I can anybody who I deem to be a Nazi is fair game. And this person was posting these videos and making claims of, you know, the thousands of Nazis in Charlottesville 
And then I literally from the videos they were posting, I took screenshots, aerial photos, et cetera, et cetera. Not the photos where someone gets down on their knees and takes the picture, like the infamous picture of all the guys holding the, the tiki torches. It looks like a sea of people. Right. Oh, aerial photos. We're talking less than 50 people, guys. This is my the, problem. This goes from back the Sean to Sean Spicer's school of crowd assessment. Yes, exactly. This goes back to the <laughs> whole, the whole. Oh my God! This is the storm that's going to wipe Florida off the map. Oh my God! This is the worst attack since 9/11. Oh my God! It's it, it it's it's cre- it's creating a bullshit, fear-driven narrative where it really should be. Look at these 50 fucking assholes. Let's laugh and point at them and send them home to go use their tears as lube as they jerk off to their fucking Nazi porn. But the same thing is applied to Trump as well. Like, yes, there is a story here. Yes, there does appear to be collusion. And yes, I do want to see this investigation follow through. But this idea of, of reporting on it like the worst scandal since Watergate. Like, let's find yeah. out, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, the the lowest poll number since blah blah blah. I mean, you know, at least in sports, I'll say this. I know you're not a big sports guy, but at least in sports, yeah. most sports fans understand the absurdity of saying the game of the decade until right. the next game of the decade. You know, yes. I mean, it's we uh, we get it. Like this is the game of the century. It's 2002. Calm down. All Remember, right? guys. Age of hyperbole. Like, but we get it. We understand it. We laugh at it. We we poke fun at it, and we take it for what it is, entertainment. The problem is, and I've been saying this for fucking twenty years now, and it's just more and more true. Fucking politics is not entertainment. It's not sports. All right. You don't root for your home team even if they keep trading away all their best players, like you do in sports. You don't do that in politics. You don't go, well, whatever the fucking Democrats do, they got my support because well, they got that D by their name. Right. Did you watch uh, John Oliver this last Sunday? He Dude, had a I, quote. I'm, I can't remember who it was from, but he was. they were talking about, um, oh, what's the guy that waves the gun around, wears the cowboy hat that just oh, got elected in the Senate, that took Jeff yeah. Sessions' seat, right? And. And there was a, a fellow senator that was asked about it. And he's like, I don't know a lot about him. I don't really know his politics or him personally, but I support the candidate of my party. And what? he pointed out how ridiculously dangerous thinking that is to just blindly accept whatever the rest of your party puts forward as a as a candidate. And, that, and you know, that's certainly what got the Republicans into bed with Trump. And it's also the reason that the Democrats were stuck with Hillary, which, you know, the head of the DNC is finally coming out. She's got a book out that just blasts Hillary for, for railroading Bernie Sanders. Ironically, too, it's a uh, huge tenet of how all religions are wired. No one's ever but, done that math. Just blindly believing. Right. Because yeah. you're told to. Well, I mean, a lot of organizations... <laughs> Isn't that, isn't that Here, the military believe works this. too? Why? Don't worry about it. Well, the military is... Uh, military is more not, direct. It, like you, We want to believe not, that the person next to you has got your back. That's what they ultimately want you to believe. And Well, I mean, that's... 
that's really the best you can hope for because you'll be told flat out, uh, why ain't in your vocabulary anymore, motherfucker? Yeah. You don't get to ask questions. I was introduced to a military term a couple weeks ago called voluntold that I found very humorous. Yeah, it's, (laughs) it's, we used to say, uh, yeah, you've been ordered to volunteer, but yeah, they've, they've changed it to voluntold a little bit more, uh, if you're into brevity. (laughs) Right. I need three men to step forward for this duty. You three step forward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty, well, you know, my, my dad, one of, one of the stories that uh, my dad told was he, he, he volunteered for the Air Force in 66. And the reason he did is because his father, who had fought, my grandfather who had fought in World War II, was like, son, you don't want to go through what I went through. You don't want to be on the front lines of this, of this war, especially since this isn't a war we need to fight. We needed to fight World War II. We don't need to be in Vietnam. So why don't you join the Air Force and get three hots in the cotton and, and be safe? So he volunteered. All the people that were drafted in the Army, they, they, they all met up in a local gym. And the recruiters, the recruiters from all four armed branches of four armed forces got together and were talking. And an Army recruiter walked over and he said, okay, everybody who's been drafted into the Army, stand up and line up against the wall. And they did. He goes, I want you to count off by twos. One, two, one, two, go down the line. They did. And he goes, okay, all the twos step forward. You're now in the United States Marine Corps. Have a nice day. And my dad was like, <laughs> literally a third of those guys started crying. Damn. Like, he, they were like, no. <laughs> and I mean. Wait the, wait, the guys that got picked or the guys that didn't? No, the guys that got picked. Because they were like, okay. I don't want to go to the Marine Corps. I mean, right. you know, this is. This is when the Marines could still do shit like, oh, you're not motivated to clean your footlocker? Well, we're going to handcuff you to your footlocker. But since we can't touch you, we're going to throw your footlocker that you're handcuffed to down a flight of stairs. But we didn't touch you. <laughs> but yeah, guess what? Your footlocker will be fucking squared away and ship shape next time I walk by, won't it? You know, that type of shit. So, but no, it's, it, it oh God, the, the, I want to kind of double back on the whole, you know, the, 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 what do you call it? The, uh, age of hyperbole. Yeah. You know, another thing I'm noticing, which is a classic, I mean, just anti-propaganda propaganda tactic is to, con- to, to muddy the waters and confuse people so much that you don't know what's real and what's not anymore. And that is a classic form of intelligence and, 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 counterintelligence and I see it and I see it clear as day and it's like an Aaron's false flag theory. Well, it's okay. I I'm literally okay. scrolling. I'm, I'm scrolling <laughs> through. Hold on. Well, no need to defend yourself quite yet. He's just thrown it out there. He hasn't gone into detail about it yet. So <laughs> I, he's, he's, he's poked the bear twice now that I've counted, but just, just chill for a sec. There's this whole prepare for November 4th. That's been going on. Why? I don't, on November 4th. Fuck, I don't know what the flying on November 4th, on. for the love of God. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I know that it's been attributed to uh, Antifa. It's been attributed to hardcore Trump supporters. And there's all this propaganda flying on the Internet about it. And, like, the latest one I've seen is uh, supposedly a flyer that someone pulled off an Antifa site off the dark web, whatever, 
On November 4th, don't forget to disguise yourself as patriots slash Trump supporters. Wear MAGA hats, U.S. flags, three percenter insignias. A convincing police uniform is even better. This way, police and patriots responding to the U.S. or responding to us won't know who their enemies are, and onlookers in the media will think Trump supporters are rioting, so it's harder to turn the population against us, etc., etc. This is what the CIA and, you know, any intelligent agency that any country has, this is the type of shit they do for a living. It's all fun and games. It's, 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 it's flipping black to white. It's flipping left to right, north to south. It's keeping everybody so disoriented that you don't know what the fuck is real and you don't know what the fuck is going on. And eventually what will happen is people will say, I don't care about the facts. This is what I want to be real, so it is real to me now. I mean, this whole thing going on with this Trump allegation, or Trump, not allegation, investigation, somehow, (coughs) (coughs) excuse me, sorry about that, all my my hardcore right-wing friends and family, they ignore everything, and somehow this investigation is now all about Hillary, and how Hillary was the one colluding with Russia. And they have proof, just ask them. They'll post memes they made about it. That's their proof. Right. That's all, well, they, that's all that's required anymore. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're getting this directly from Trump, who is getting this directly from probably Steve Bannon. But, I mean, do you, do you see what I'm saying? If you confuse everybody to the point where they don't know who the fuck is who and what's going on, all you got to do is just stir the pot, and then we'll take care of the rest. And the pot's been stirred, man. I mean, I don't, when it comes to to Trump, when it comes to the investigation, I don't know what to believe, who to believe. I got to do, to read it, for an article that takes me three minutes to read, I got to do an hour's worth of research on Mm -hmm. to to see if it's real. Now, I know I've said it before, but your average person is not obsessive enough to do an hour's worth of research over a four or five minute article. They're just going to take it at face value if it supports their preconceived notions or they're going to dismiss it out of hand if it goes against them. That's, that's where we're at with all this. I don't even, Jesus Christ, I just had a friend who's way to the left post a New Yorker article that claims Trump says to his people, Hillary threw the campaign just so Trump could get elected, just so Trump could get impeached. <laughs> this is wow. from a New Yorker. This isn't, That's like the snake eating its tail, throwing it up, and then eating it again. I'm telling you. So here's my my conspiracy theory on this that I don't exactly believe, but it's an interesting line of thought. And, well, I got to start from the beginning on this one, so bear with me. Recently, we had the release of the uh, so-called JFK files that the FBI had... uh, trying to, you know, what happened in the assassination of, of Kennedy. And I'll, there was a significant amount of, the, there's not a whole lot of new information, and uh, a significant amount of it was withheld to be redacted and released in a redacted version at a later date, right? Um, I imagine what, is in there part of what they don't want us to see is what I had to have been investigated at the time, but I never read about the I 
except for from conspiracy theorists. But what I think is an actually valid idea of what if an actual foreign country was involved in, in wanting to assassinate Kennedy because of the same shit that he was pulling in other countries. You know, as far as false flag, uh, you said you mentioned false flag operations earlier. I believe that's where the term comes from. The operations that CIA did in like Cuba and other countries where they, you know, they didn't like the current leader and they didn't feel like they had domestic or international support to put boots on the ground. Well, then they just flip some people in the country and you know find a you know, find somebody that can be a leader and can get along with the U.S. And uh, that was that was standard operation. That was international policy of the time. And I don't think that the U.S. likes to look at that past and or even accept that as a, a present situation where that, that shit still goes on. And it definitely led me to when you know hearing about this attack in New York that was done so by the book, right? This was an attack that was done per ISIS instruction. Oh my God, to the point where get a big heavy vehicle, don't stop driving. If you do have to stop, have a backup weapon, leave a note saying why you were doing it for ISIS. You were doing it in pledge allegiance to ISIS. It it could not, (laughs) I get where you're going with this. If it was a scripted act, it couldn't have been scripted any more better right it would if you were in a writer's room you would be like well this is too perfect though we've got to you know we've got to put some complexity in here or something so you know is it possible in my mind i'm not saying this is like an accusation but is it is it possible that this was a, a terrorist attack that was ultimately perpetrated by our own government in order no. to distract from the recent news about, well, uh, George Papadopoulos and Paul Manafort and Rick Gates. What does Webster's dad have to do with any of this? <laughs> all I keep wondering. But no, it's no, to answer your question, no. And here's why. Just look at their track record since January. Do you really think the government that's on their fifth try for health care has accomplished zero since January 21st? Do you really think that they're capable of this? Well, yeah, but no. Chris, that's, hold on. No, no one but, I, let, me, let, me, let me say quick something. Response, that. Quick response. Quick okay. response, though. No, but the less people that know about it, the easier it is to actually get something done. And Chris, that is that is a very overused argument because all you have to do is look at people in day-to-day life who lay back in the cut and play stupid and lower expectations. And then when they do anything competently, you're shocked. I mean, well, I don't... You know, I, I, I think is there's JFK. so many incompetent parts to this machine... But I preface this with JFK for a reason. You know, it, it wasn't just about foreign threat, but domestic. That, you know, the theory that it was our own government that assassinated Kennedy had to have been looked into by the FBI. They have to, whether they, I'm not saying they found something, but just the fact that they're going down that path. I mean, it's, I, un, I, I get your point, but 
it is being blind of the, the past, of the idea that I think we'd like to think that we live in a time where shit like that doesn't happen anymore, right? Like we would know about it. We hear about everything, you know, everybody's sex scandal and allegations and all this stuff. It all gets exposed eventually. Then why are why don't we have but, legions of Edward Snowdens? But we're also, you know, let's say we are being more strict about people who are ultimately a lot of allegations are are against people who are kind of flagrantly acting out their behavior, you know, that they've been getting away with it that for so long that whether it's you know groping some woman or meeting with some russian or whatever it is like they're getting caught because they just think they're un- they're untouchable i just think and, to dismiss- and, and, and but what we're ultimately talking about mostly in the form of conspiracy theories because these things are very hard to prove acts that need to be kept secret life or death it's not about behavior it's about a small group of people in power can act in secret and keep a fucking secret if they have the right motivation. Yeah, and I mean, to act like we're so incompetent, everyone's such a big mouth, that there's no way we can hide anything from the rest of the world, is, it, goes, it flies in the face of people who go, well, we did land on the moon. Well, how? We're so incompetent. If we're so fucking incompetent, how'd we, how'd we ever land on the moon? Well, we did drop two bombs and develop the nuclear bomb before other countries did. How? Everybody's such a big mouth and everybody talks all the time. Can't keep no one. It, it, it's, an, it's an argument that flies in the face of the facts that we know when to be true. When we put our mind to it, we can accomplish just about damn near anything. Exactly. And, and, the, and the false narrative that runs through that argument is everybody has to know that it's a conspiracy. No. What you do is you scatter everybody. And you micromanage people to where they're working on one specific thing, but they don't know how that one specific thing factors in to all these other people working on one specific thing. And when you put the thing together, you get the machine. Just because I know how to make a brake pad doesn't mean I can rebuild a transmission. And just because I can I can change oil doesn't mean I know how to fucking change uh, 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 head gaskets on an engine. I mean, it, it, but it just seems like just... Everything in this administration is in such disarray. Like, you bring but this you up really in, Barry, think, in Barry's president or W's president, I'm buying it. Like, but do you really yeah, think that, it holds a little bit more water? Do you really oh. think if, if we are per, 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 perpetuating attacks against our country, do you think whoever is president has anything to do with it? It's not the intelligence community that, that's, I mean, the intelligence community doesn't change completely over just and doesn't become as stupid as their president. They operate independently to the legislation, every branch of government in every single fucking day. The CIA does shit that's against every fucking law. The UN, the US, whoever the fuck has, has, has put into place every single day. I mean, remember the, remember the movie Munich? about how Israel sent the, the group out yeah. after the, the attacks, that's against, that's against the fucking, it's against UN law. Those were human rights violations. They were assassinating right. people. Yeah. They waited till all them fuckers were either so old it didn't matter or were dead to tell that story, but it was a poorly kept secret that was going on. Or that, excuse me, not that it was going on, that it had happened. 
this is what I'm getting at. This is how come they said in 70 years we'll release the JFK files. Why? Because given the average lifespan of a human, everybody involved in JFK was going to be dead in 70 years. Right. And when did they release them? 50 years later? 40? Most of those people were dead at that point also. I mean, look, I'm not saying, Chris, that you're not right. I'm just saying when that same old tired trope gets pulled out by people. You, you're fuel. You, what you're doing is it's it, it, you're fueling the fire. of The people who are going, I've thought about this for more than two seconds. Give me a break. We get away with shit all the time. If if everybody was a whistleblower, why don't we have like I said, legions of Edward Snowdens? Well, right. I mean, I, I I'm not going to try and set out to prove this. I don't. I'm just saying that that is a a path that I went down in thinking about what happened in New York. The thought did occur to me. But it's kind of one of those things like unless you're a goddamn investigative journalist, what the fuck are you going to do about it? You're not going to know. Hopefully you'll find out in your lifetime what was really going on. You know, honestly, the only way I'm going to think that this is a conspiracy is if this fucker doesn't live to see trial. I mean, because that, yeah, I mean, a lot more interesting. It, a lot more water that way, but I guess too. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you save the false flag operation for the actual convictions? Like, I guess that's that's kind of where I'm at with that too. These are just the, great. Someone's going to go to court. This, There's going to be a case. If, yeah, maybe. Uh, well, who knows? I mean, it's not too late to see somebody poisoned by some Russians. Oh yeah. But uh, they, they, I think they still have that in their back pocket. Or have a heart attack the night before their trial. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. It's it's not something that keeps me up at night. Well, let me ask you and, guys a question and real maybe, quick. And maybe a lot, a lot of that is certainly in my inherent bias against this, this administration. That, you know, that I am primed to believe that uh, they would be capable of just about anything. Because I don't know what their limits are. They certainly don't seem to have any when it comes to any other sort of uh, reasonable or moral behavior. Well, the thing I keep going back to is the different interviews I've seen with different people at different levels of the intelligence community since Trump's been elected. And there's been... Interviews with people who say, you know, they, they're shaking their head. They're like, what the fuck? How, you know, what? Behind this the is scenes, the, this is, yeah. Yeah, this is the guy giving us our orders. You got to be kidding me. There's people who are like, look, people in the intelligence community are beyond good and evil, beyond Republican, Democrat, beyond who wins. They just do their job. And then there's people who are just like, the intelligence community don't worry about who gets elected president because we operate above that. We do what the fuck we want to do when we want to do it. And I tend to think that's probably more realistic, that the people actually calling the shots in the CIA and the people deciding what happens probably do so without even presidents knowing until maybe after the fact. I mean, I just, what's the, because I, so I do agree with deep you. State? I, I don't even know if it's, I don't even, this deep state shit is like, it, it, it's just a buzzword to me. Yeah, I know. It's just a new thing. It's just a new way to describe some shit that we know what's going on. How many times when we have, if you've read history books, studied history, have you heard people say, it's always better to be the king maker than to be the king? 
Because no one is trying to kill the kingmaker. And the kingmaker is the one who actually fucking holds the power. Because they're the one that, that, that goes, okay, out of all you people, I pick you, and I'm going to make you president, or I'm going to make you king. They're the ones that hold the power, the people behind the scenes. Case in point, George Bush, W. That was America's great coming out party of, we're not even trying to hide this shit anymore. I mean, I literally was waiting to see strings like him dancing like a marionette at certain points during Mm -hmm. his press conferences during his administration. Right. Yeah, and you know this concept of Trump being too much of a loose cannon to even be useful as a puppet is uh, addressed. I'll refer again to the Mr. Robot episode this week. And again, not no plot points, uh, but it, so the the guy, the head of the the Dark Army or whatever, is uh, is talking to his one of his American uh, uh, I don't know employees members of the dark army, whatever, and giving him a set of instructions. And he says uh, that he wants to, he wants the next Republican nominee to be Trump, you know, and they're watching him on TV at the time as well. And the, the dude's like, are you, you crazy? That guy, he's a buffoon. He's a clown. He's like, no, I think he can be useful. And he's like, no, he's too chaotic to be useful. And he's like, there's no such thing. Like, any puppet, when the right strings are pulled, will make the moves that you want them to. It's chaotic so, neutral. So, uh, no, I mean, just I don't think there's, a, there's such thing as like being too crazy to not being able to control. I mean, in some ways, crazy just his his more crazy behavior really just exposes what his triggers are, and allows you to control him without having to do a whole lot of psychoanalysis of the personality. It's all right there on his fucking Twitter feed. What gets him mad? What makes him make certain decisions? I mean, you want him to go left, you just say, I think we should all go right. It may, it may yeah. actually make him easier to control as, as a puppet. Yeah, and it was brought up in a podcast I listened to that Trump is one of those people who is incapable of apologizing. And and when he does apologize, it's always with the caveat, I'm sorry, but, or (laughs) however, added at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Which which is a non-apology, basically. Right. At the risk of sounding pedantic, though, I think we, we get focused on the apology and not the emotions behind it. That, um, I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, people who apologize for their behavior, I don't know who that is. Especially when you talk about politics. Nobody apologizes for the behavior. And even when we apologize for even things that, on the record, our country has done, that we found it abhorrent in our current time, that happened generations before us, people are criticized for being an apologist. It's a sign of weakness. You know? And But there's a different... Hey, I mean, you knew what he signed up for. Right, like... Uh, I think it's not about the fact that Trump doesn't come out and say the words. It's that he never has those thoughts of, you know, second guessing his own behavior. He doesn't have, uh, doesn't, I don't think he has, I don't, I don't think Trump has moments of uh, self-reflection, you know? No. Like, I, well, when you you're know, surrounded sure, by yes men I'm for sure. like 50 years, it's I mean, I'm not as, saying it as, excuses him. Um, as confident as uh, somebody like Obama, you know, carried himself. I'm, 
I'm sure he had, you know, periods of where he would maybe actually lay awake at night and think about if he was doing the right thing, if this was the right decision. I mean, I don't know how you could not have those periods if, when you're in that position, certainly. And most people just have that about their, their own daily mundane lives. But I, I think that Trump is that, and he's not completely unique in this, but he's not the majority these people that are able to shut themselves completely off from that. You know, I think in order to be able to come up with an honest apology, you have to have an honest assessment of your own behavior. And if you don't ever have those thoughts, you don't ever sit down and think about them. You don't even think about it. Sit down and think about them. I mean, you know, just on your commute or something or on, you know, whatever. Well, there's also... most the reality of reflect a little bit on their own behavior. There's also the reality of, and I've I've had to say this to a few women I've been in relationships with when you know there's been infidelity and the apologies start, and I and I go don't apologize because you don't mean it. Well, what do you mean? How can you say that? Uh, okay, you fucked this guy behind my back, and now you're leaving me for him, and you're apologizing for it. If you were sorry, you wouldn't still be fucking them, now would you? You're not sorry. You're saying this hoping it'll make me feel better. And the thing is, I see through your bullshit. Because if I apologize, that means I'm going to make an attempt to alter my my behavior, and I'm apologizing for what I've done. Right. I'm not apologizing to make you feel better. That's that's it, it right. doesn't this work. Is, that I'm way. sorry, but it's still happening. <laughs> yeah. Don't apologize for beating the shit out of me while you're still beating the shit out of me. Right? Right. It's like it, it, it's like the bully in high school beat your ass and like, well, you shouldn't have made me do that. I'm sorry, exactly. I didn't want to beat your ass, but you know, you flipped what me you off. What you made so. me do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And it, it's no, you cannot, you cannot be sorry for behavior that you ha- that you aren't going to stop. Let alone haven't even examined why you are doing this behavior and why this behavior right. is, is, is wrong in the first place. I mean, it, that's, that's a true apology in my book. And, and that's something that I think most, most people, it's, 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 our, it's just the way our society works. It's like when we agree that, you know, this means this, even though we all know it doesn't. It's just easier to go, well, they apologize. Well, that, they're not Although, really sorry. I mean, Let's be honest. Bill Clinton, uh, when he got caught with, with with a cigar up fucking what's her face's cooch. Well, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. No, you're not. Because given the opportunity, you're going to do it again. But if we if we examine what the intent behind an apology is, it's really a statement of intent. You know, you in a relationship with somebody else. You know, whatever your relationship is. You're, apologizing to your boss or another coworker or a friend or your wife or your child. And there was at some point your relationship broke down. And if you wanted to salvage that, somebody's got to, you know, or both parties have to correct some sort of behavior that, that brought you to that impasse in the first place. And so that apology is, isn't saying that you understand that, you think you understand also what the problem is, and the only thing that really makes that apology mean anything is a history from there on out of corrected behavior. Exactly. Anything exactly. short of that is completely meaningless. 
Doesn't all boil down to action speak louder than words? And there also, you go. much what you just said. And also makes the any any public apology period meaningless. Any public apology has no meaning because you don't have a relationship with Kevin Spacey other than whether you decide to watch his TV shows or go see his movies. You do not deserve an apology from Kevin Spacey for anything, or even Harvey Weinstein or Bill Cosby or anybody. You don't have a relationship with these people. And you know what really opened my eyes to that fact? Was listening to a bunch of comedians. I can't remember what show it was, but riff on the whole uh, Tiger Woods thing. Yeah. When he come out and was like, I'm sorry for my behavior and to my fans. And they were like, motherfucker, what are you apologizing to us for? You didn't cheat on us. You know what we want you to do? We want you to put the ball in the hole with as few strokes as possible. That's it. That's it. And, and then, yeah. you know, they made a point. They were like, it, you know, it, it, it's like if, if, if someone comes out, I'm sorry, I'm using steroids. You shouldn't apologize for that. You should apologize for blowing Game 7 of the World Series that I had money on, motherfucker. That's what you should apologize to me for. If you want to get right down to it, call, here's my number. Call me up. And if you really want to show your contrite, reimburse me. Because, the, the, <laughs> yeah, there's a bookie in Brooklyn that you owe a phone call to and a couple thousand dollars. That's who you need to apologize to. I mean, and it's 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 really the truth. It's... These, I, the public apologies, the I'm sorry, blah blah blah. No, you're not. You're not. If you're going, if it's going to happen again, and or or I don't know if you are or not, and it doesn't matter. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that's this goes back to what we we were talking about a few weeks ago. I can't apologize for behavior that I didn't commit to someone that it didn't happen to. But in our society, so, you know, that's what. Well, we need to apologize as a nation for slavery. Okay, who are we apologizing to? And who's doing the apologizing? Man, you want to talk about the most hollow of a... I mean, that shit echoes for days. That apology would be so hollow. I mean... Yeah. Do nothing to move anyone forward in this country. And and especially in our gotcha society these days, because the minute you apologize, you have people who are going to go, aha, see, you did something wrong. You know it. It's like no, I'm, I'm, I'm apologizing to, to to shut you the fuck up, and it did the exact opposite because now you can't close your dick fucking holes. Right. Or the reaction to all these sexual, uh, um, uh, I keep wanting to say aggressions, <laughs> uh, assaults. A, a, thank you. <laughs> all these sexual assaults happening in, in Hollywood, and everybody's got to make a statement about that, and now. If you don't make a statement, you're complicit. If you well, don't come out and say anything at all about it, then, uh, then, you're, then you're part of the problem. I, I was debating whether to bring this up, but I, I, I think it, it, it's fair to bring it up. This just hit the, the media while we were on air. Um, breaking news. Yeah, uh, breaking news for what will be old news by Saturday. But in a CNN report, eight employees from House of Cards have come forward and said flat out that Spacey assaulted them. Um, <sighs> one low-level staffer recalled being assigned to pick state Spacey up for a non-location shoot outside of Baltimore. As they were approaching the set, 
Spacey while behind the wheel, put his hands down the production assistant's pants. I was in a state of shock, he said. He was a man in a very powerful position on the show, and I was told someone very low in the totem pole, and or I was someone very low in the totem pole and food chain here. Once they arrived, he escorted Spacey to his trailer with his belongings. In the trailer, the PA alleges that Spacey cornered him and blocked the exit. I told him, I don't think I'm okay with this. I don't think I'm comfortable with this, the PA said. That's when the actor became visibly flustered, fled the trailer, got in his car, and left for the remainder of the day. Right. And but you, you know, okay. I'm, apparently, I'm sure. there's also just, I'm going to paraphrase the rest of it because um, it's a rather lengthy yeah. article, but. Uh, the, the CNN interviewed several people from the production, and they said that it was a well-known fact that the set was toxic for young men because of Spacey. Okay, so I'm glad you shared that because you know we're going to sound like assholes at the top of this podcast. <laughs> but yeah. this is but this is what we were talking about, though, right? Where when it gets to this level. When it's multiple people and it's full-on aggressive in this nature, then, yeah, I mean, it seems, it seems appropriate to condemn that person, you know? Maybe now this does make me think twice about supporting anything that he's involved in. Because this yeah. is not, this is not the, the character that we understood from the, the stories out prior to this, right? This is a different type of behavior, and if true... This is predatory. Yeah. This went from, and, I'm looking for a pity fuck to being predatory in, right. in the span of, you know, 30 years. Which, to be honest. So that's unfortunate. You know, I don't, I don't even know if I can, can watch the season six of Netflix, of House of Cards. So, so, so in 10 years, can we watch American Beauty again? Wasn't that like the yeah. standard with Michael Jackson? Mid two thousands, you can start liking his music again. <laughs> no, it took him dying, and then everybody everybody showed up at his funeral and boohooed. And there was one guy. Uh, I don't know if you guys know who he is. Well, you might if you've watched uh, the league. John Lejoy. Taco. He released. Yeah, he released a song. Uh, oh yeah. Basically saying y'all are a bunch of hypocrites because the day before Michael Jackson died, he was a piece of shit child molester. Now he's a saint just because he's dead. What about the kids he fucked? I mean, I'm paraphrasing the song a whole lot, but, you know. He is pretty blunt in his language in his song, so. Yeah, especially his two girls, one cup love song. If you haven't heard that, do yourself a favor and uh, go ahead and look that up on YouTube and, and enjoy that. Because if, if the chorus of that song doesn't get stuck in your head, you're a better person than I. That's all I'm going to say, because I walked around for two weeks going, she's covered in vomit and human feces. You know, and I'm just like, why is this, why is this stuck in my head? <laughs> but no, it's, I got to say, I mean, I was, at the beginning of the show, we were talking about it, and I guess it's on me for not saying it. I should have said it. I, I I was kind of on the edge, and I'm like, you know, if an accusation comes out of him, I mean, if the accusations still come out and it's him playing the sympathy and pathetic card, maybe I could have some sort of, I don't know if it'd be misplaced or 
you know, empathy for him. Like he's just a fucking really awkward guy. He doesn't, he's not comfortable in his own skin, but if he's gone to the point where he's cornering PAs and you know, yeah, that's, that's Harvey Weinstein behavior. That's, Hey, you know what you got to do if you want this job. And that's, that's a completely different thing. And that's, uh -uh, no, can't, can't fucking do it. So do you think Bill's done the, the Cosby dance in the last couple of weeks in private with all this news about other people. Well, if anything, I mean, he can just hide among the crowd. That's what I'm saying. He put on the sweater and he was doing like the dance at like, you know, the beginning of the Cosby show. Like, well, if, if, if these accusations oh. in Hollywood keep coming out at the clip, they are, and they ever do go to criminal court and these people get convicted, the state of California is going to have a real problem with sexual predators being the majority in prisons instead of the minority that might that might swap the entire you know ecosystem of california penal system right there i just had an idea for a picture book series of where's cosby uh -oh. you can have a lot of a lot of scenes of groups of sexual predators <laughs> and like cosby's always wearing the same loud sweater cosby's yeah, sweater, still yeah. he's so black it'll still be easy to find him uh <laughs> Are you saying that black guys don't usually, this is more of a white guy crime? Well, uh, let's look at recent history. It's, you know, well, I know because we're, we're looking, we've got our microscope on Hollywood right now. And when you're talking yeah. Hollywood producers, yeah, that's a white man. Celebrities, game. this is white guy crime. Yeah. Well, like Patrice O'Neill said, there are traditional white guy crimes. Remember the DC sniper? No one thought that was two black guys. Yeah. Everyone was sure of that because that's traditional white guy crime. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, and then Chris Rock's joke was, if you hear about somebody, the cops kicking open someone's door to their apartment and they're eating people, it's pretty much a white guy. If you hear about an old lady getting pushed down the stairs for a welfare check, pretty much a black guy. So, you know, it's like. He's not it, wrong. There's a reason stereotypes are stereotypes. There's some truth in them. I mean, people didn't just wake up one day and say, hey, guess what? We're going to make up something about an entire fucking group of people that has nothing to do with reality. But, well, <coughs> according to some narratives, maybe. <coughs> well, I don't give a fuck about them because those people don't deal in reality. So, I mean, <laughs> in, a, in a world where apparently everything's static and every, everybody needs to be judged throughout history by 2017 standards, no matter how many thousands of years ago things happened. Yeah. Those aren't people that are, that are capable of dealing in reality. So I don't worry about their opinions. It's like I learned today that all of us are helping to spread white supremacy because we're all part of white nuclear families. Oh, right. Speak, speak for yourself. Hey, My your mom and dad who made a white baby. Oh yeah. That was well, you. That, yeah. 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 In that aspect, you're right. Yeah. I forgot. White supremacists. <laughs> It's original sin, isn't it? Isn't this the SJW version of original sin now? You're born into it. You can't help it. You have to repent for it. So in yeah. other words, my horseshoe theory, and it's not mine. It's just I, 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 I throw that out there, and people tell me I'm full of shit, and I just go, really? How different is it than the evangelical Christians to say we're all born into original sin? The more the SJWs write their Bible, which instead of putting it down in a book like Christians did, they, they write it online. 
the more and more they are exactly what they fucking despise. Amen. I just think this is a ploy from the hard left to get black guys more pussy. It's just my opinion. More white pussy. Can I? Can I? You're a racist if you don't fuck this black guy. You are a white supremacist. (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry. Granted, I haven't fucked the United Colors of Benetton, you know. But Jesus Christ, is pussy that different? I mean, (laughs) I I fucked. I fucked a Latina. I I fucked a, a, a Puerto Rican chick and a Cuban chick, and. Pussy's pretty much pussy. I mean, why is why is this push that, that, that white pussy needs to be rationed out amongst every race? Right. It ain't, guys, let me tell you something. I fucked to our predominantly minority listeners. Let me point something out to you. As a white man, I fucked a lot of white women. And guess what? There ain't nothing special about white pussy. Sorry, ladies who are listening who happen to be white. It's just not. <laughs> it's There's no pot of gold at the end of her clitoris. But, All right. There, but there's black no, guys, listen to me. Listen, you, you could say this at parties now. In your 20s, be like, hey, if you don't fuck me, you are a white supremacist. You know, and just so you know, your credit rating doesn't go up with every fucking orgasm she has. Okay? So I, I don't understand the fascination with this shit. Because you never hear any of these fucking people who say, if, you, if a white woman won't fuck a black guy, she's racist. You never hear them say, if a black woman won't fuck a white guy, she's racist. You never hear that. And, and, and I, you know, we need to, I want, you know what? I'm not start this initiative household, nor the Bill Burr household. Well, I want this initiative to start tonight. Women from Cuba, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Spain. Fuck it. I'll throw Brazil in there. If you do not fuck a white guy when he offers you the opportunity to fuck <laughs> him, you're racist. Yeah. And I'm, I'm putting an open invitation to Dick to all of those women I named <laughs> right now on the air. So either you can be a racist or you can deal with this dick. It's all it's your two choices. That's it. It's black or white. <laughs> oh man. Well, anyways, I, I did want to see test the waters on this because I get the feeling we're coming to the end here. Um, Stranger Things has been out for going on a week now. Chris, I don't remember if you watched the first season, but I know Aaron, you did. I have not. Okay. Do we lose Aaron? I think we lost Aaron. Oh, you want to get some brown pussy? I think he I, he was so offended he had to recuse himself from the podcast during my my push of the initiative. I was laughing so hard I almost pissed myself. <laughs> okay, I, I would like to believe that. <laughs> I had that. to run. No, I had to really <laughs> run and go use the bathroom. Um, but no, I was I was I brought up uh, since I, I think we're getting near the end here and hopefully end on a little bit of a lighter note that Stranger Things two has been out now. For a few days, have you have you watched any of it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I don't tend to to binge watch stuff anymore. Even if I do watch, like if I want to sit down and watch more than one episode of something, it's usually not the same show. And I think part of it is an appreciation of the structure that is the, the way that television's set up, you know. And kind of the same. Maybe it's partly because I'm such an avid comic book reader. And I'm used to getting these stories like one portion at a time. Not that there aren't certain things that I'll let stack up and be like, well, I just want to, I know this is the kind of read where I'm just going to want to plow through these five issues all at once because it seems rather dense. 
and I, I may do that. But in general, I kind of like the the structure of having this, you know, weekly chapter of the story and appreciating each part of that story as it's packaged in in each chapter. You know, there's a whole art to that of being able to tell, you know, this one kind of complete part of the story in one episode, but it also ties into everything else. So I haven't, I've, I think I've watched three or four episodes. Um, I think the last, the last one I watched is after they discover the polywog, but I, I've had to avoid a lot of social media and certain websites because everyone seems to assume that everyone else spent their weekend watching every episode of this show. Well, I mean, I did, but it's one of the few shows that I, I, I I've done that with. I, I, I was months, like maybe six months late to the party for the first season. You had already watched the first season. Uh, you had talked about it on the show, and it went in one ear and out the other with me. So when I watched the first season, I was like, let me give this a shot. I watched one episode, was hooked, and within like two days it finished it. So it, I, that's pretty much what I did this time. Yeah. Um, I... I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw out any spoilers because I don't I, I know I understand that not everyone's going to do that, um, but I gotta say this: having watched it, I really don't miss the '80s. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for the most part, the popular music was horrible. The fashion was atrocious. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. But, I was telling this to somebody the other day. I mean, oh, no, was, bro, wasn't it Justin from World Championship Radio? It, it may it, have been. Oh, everything oh, in the yeah, 80s know, was yeah. shit. And everyone thinks it was cool. I lived through it. No fucking wasn't. Everything <laughs> was shit. I mean, dude, there's a there's a part where they're using like they're 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 trying to 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 get hold of somebody and they're like stuck attached to the wall the phone is attached to and I'm just like, "Oh my god. I don't want to go back to that." I don't like so I don't I, I, the good old days. Let them be good. Let them, let them, they weren't that good, but let them be old. Let them be back there. I'm, you know. I mean, maybe a, in a perfect world, if you brought some of the technology from today back then, and you definitely got rid of the clothes mm-hmm. and all the reverb on every goddamn song sounding like it did. It's hard. Oh it's, God! Oh, I know. Is is the, the 80s, big drums? Is yeah the 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 cannon shot snare that is in every well, fucking song. You know, Rich, it's interesting because I Stranger Things is a show that I really enjoy, but I wonder how popular it would be if all the nostalgia was removed from it. If this was a contemporary story about, you know. You know, just take the same events and just remove remove all of the nostalgia and reference to, you know, because I mean, they're not just referencing 80s as an era. They're referencing a certain genre of horror film in a certain era. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's, I mean, and that is part of what appeals, what why it appeals to me in much of the way that while I don't, I'm not generally a fan of horror films. I really like the Scream series because of the meta aspect of it. And there's, there's uh, the nods 
are so great in Stranger Things that it's damn near meta. You know, oh, yeah. the, audi- the audience is in on, on the joke. And I, I have to say this. I, and I want, But I wonder, uh, just to finish my thought, though, uh, I wonder if those elements were removed, what would be left of the story? Not to say that they don't do a decent job of writing characters, but, man, it's a major chunk of it. Like, that, that story really relies on nostalgia. I think that they do a better job of writing characters than, I mean, a lot of modern movies and even television do. Like I agree, yeah. I mean, I, I know that, okay, like, case in Especially point. Especially genre. I mean, if you want to talk about all the stuff that, all the superheroes that are on TV right now, and there's some decent shows worth watching, but still most of it is just abhorrent dialogue. And, like, like high school drama class level production and some of this shit. So I well, do think they, they excel in, in the fact that they are writing a compelling story in a in a genre that really doesn't require that necessarily to draw people in, you know? Well, I'm thinking of... Just be like, oh, our monster's going to look badass, so uh, it doesn't really matter who's in it. I'm, th- I'm thinking of, like, you know, the, the Marvel and DC movies. Yeah. And I really stop and I go, as much as I enjoy most of those, would I give a f- as much of a fuck about the characters if I if they hadn't had... 50 years of backstory in, in comic books already. Right. Would, yeah, absolutely. Did, did, they, did they present enough character, you know, growth and, the, and, 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 and story arc for me to give a shit about them one way or the other? Mm-hmm. I mean, would I really care about Wolverine as much if the very first time I ever saw him was in the 2000 X-Men movie? I don't think so. I don't think, like, the movie Logan wouldn't have had as much like, you know, oh, shit, especially the ending. If it hadn't have been for, he's been around since before I was born. I grew up reading the comic books that he was in and, yes. you know, all this. But in, in Stranger Things, it's one of the very few shows I found as an adult that I started watching and I give a shit about the characters. The, like, Sopranos, The Wire. Right. Uh, I mean, Stranger Things, to an extent, Breaking Bad. But, I mean, mm-hmm. Breaking Bad... You know, after a certain point, it was like, you knew it wasn't going to end well. So it was just like, who's going to survive this? You know, you, you couldn't right. you couldn't go, boy, I, you know, I hope Walter lives because at a certain point, Walter became the bad guy. So, you know, that type of shit. But I mean, I watch a lot of TV shows now. And the reason I watch it is I want to find out what happens in the story. I don't give it the, the characters. I don't want to say I don't give a shit. They're secondary to case in point House of Cards. I don't yeah. feel any connection to any of the characters in House of Cards. Yeah, I feel you. You know, oh, but I find them. Wow, we watch TV completely opposite. Well, what will engage me or not engage me in a show is if I give a fuck about the characters. If I don't give a fuck about yeah. the characters, I'm done with the show. Well, I, I but I know what you mean. Like I, I have gone back and forth on Agents of Shield, the television show, and certainly, I mean. I, there's no way I'd be watching the show if it was just like, oh, NBC's got uh, the show about a secret government agency. And you're like, so fucking what? It's on ABC. Like, it can't be that great. And But the fact that it's got the Marvel brand on it and the secret government organization is actually S.H.I.E.L.D., something that has a lot of history with Marvel Comics, and uh, I have a lot of history with Marvel Comics personally. 
So yeah, that means something. And I'm like, I want to find out what the fuck's going on in S.H.I.E.L.D. and how they're going to do this. And, you know, the, I think the, this last season was actually pretty damn good. But I don't watch it because I want to know what happens to Coulson, because I identify with Daisy, because I want to know if Fitz and Simmons are going to be able to make it work. Ultimately, like, that's why I watched Friends. That's why I put up with a lot of hokey jokes and laugh track bullshit. You know that, but because see, because to, the characters that they actually wrote had these believable relationships, and I'm like, I want to know how that turns out. And I was going to say that, to Chris's point, when it comes to comedy shows, I watch it for the characters. I do not watch it for the I plot. Think so yeah, yeah, because like the Scrubs, comedy lives it lives and dies in the character. It's yeah. the character's natural actions that are the comedy. That's why Curb Your Enthusiasm is so brilliant. The 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 last like comedy show that i followed even when i should have probably like turned off the last season was scrubs and that was all about the characters and we'll talk about season nine man where I'm from tell, look look i've had to come to a realization that hey, season what nine went is wrong not as in bad it's not oh, as bad every, as everything think is everything no, went wrong in season nine <laughs> it's not as bad as you think it is man i'm telling you i've no, I've, I've watched, watched it, it several times but compared to the rest of them i mean well, good god i man. didn't watch the final season of the office see in the office i never got into because apparently i made the mistake of and i've been told this by so, about so many shows what was it uh parks and rec yeah they're like you can pretty much skip season one and the office you can skip season one yeah and i'm well, I mean, how does you know what's no, going on? I don't agree with I, that. I think, I think if you're following it for the characters and you can't. Not with the office, I mean, anyway. I, I think either of those shows, I mean, you have a long-form story that's being told. And, yeah, I think you should definitely read the first chapter, even though it's not the best chapter in the book. You don't go, well, you know, hey, that, was, that novel was fantastic. But well, I don't first, know. Cha- first chapter's kind of boring. Skip over that. Go straight to chapter two and go, what the fuck is going on? I'll tell you what. I People have come to me and, you know, like friends and family and said, because I started watching like The Walking Dead from the very first episode in 2010. Uh-huh. And season two came and I watched the first two episodes and the last episode and felt like I didn't miss anything. And I told yeah. him, I'm like, season two, it just slows to a crawl. And they were having production budget issues, and you can really tell because it's pretty much just okay. This is where we can afford to shoot on this fucking right. <laughs> this farm. On this farm. And we're yeah. and we're gonna stay here, and that's it. And this is what we're dealing with. And we're gonna throw everything at the beginning and at the end, and we're gonna set it up, and we're gonna pay off at the end of the season. But I also kind of felt like when I watch, okay, someone I was rooting for that kid to die so that guy would shut the hell up. <laughs> that's just me when uh what was it uh big bang theory got syndicated i was dating a girl and she's like have you ever watched this show and i said no i it's on it's barely on a blip on my radar and she's like well i think you'll like it and i started watching it and very soon after i i watched a few episodes i realized why the fuck am i dating this girl yeah, we have to break <laughs> up now <laughs> Like I have, to, I have, to, I have to break up with you now. <laughs> you have no this idea is, of my sense of humor. 
Yeah, this is worse than going. This is worse than going to a girlfriend's CD collection. This is fucking horrible. I mean, I'd rather have just caught you fucking a black guy, quite honestly. <laughs> but no, and you know, and she's like, "Well, give me an example of a show you like." And I said, "Try it's always sunny in Philadelphia." And she called me up oh, like boy. two weeks later, and she's like. I just watched an episode where they go to the Jersey Shore and two bums are butt-fucking each other. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, yeah, it's just hilarious. And she's like, and Dennis is a sociopath. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When he takes a girl out on a boat, it's the implication. You know, it's the Dennis system. And and she's like, "Uh, I don't know if our sense of humors are exactly overlapping here. I'm like, oh, I figured that out by the second penny, 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 penny. I yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, well, you know, I think you did answer my question though, and convinced me that I probably would watch Stranger Things if it was contemporary, because the writers know how to write compelling characters, and it does set itself apart from. I mean, not just a lot of other genre television, but a lot of other television, period. I mean, I will say this. By the end of season two, there was two characters who I was like, okay, we get it. Can we, can we like, you know, can we stop shoving this, this uh, character trait They have a couple down of our throats? Eh, it's, I, I don't want to, because I don't want to say. people that had to go back to their home planet at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like, okay, we understand, but can can we give these characters something else to do besides what they've done now for two seasons? I and I understand they had to do it to to make the story work the way it did, but in the yeah. third season, it's really time to 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 either let those characters go towards the background or give those characters a little bit more depth than what they're going through. When you finish watching it, we'll talk, and, and I'll see if you're on the same page as me, because I can't say literally anything without giving away a lot about who yeah. I'm talking about, and I don't want to do that to you or anyone listening. Um, luckily, I had nothing spoiled for me. I don't know how, but, I mean, this is – I'm so fucking pissy about spoilers after having uh, The Force Awakens spoiled for me. I haven't watched any fucking teaser nor trailer of the new Star Wars. Yeah. You know, I don't know I, what the fuck's going to happen. I'm going in completely blind. I, I'm kind of in the same position. I mean, there's certain trailers where I was like, okay, everybody's talking about this shit. I'm going to watch it. I, uh, no, I didn't. I, like, I can't. I've watched I, you know, the two trailers. Really, I, the one I'm really salty about is Blade Runner. I still haven't seen the new Blade Runner, and I've had some major plot points spoiled from it for me by I was listening to Adam Carolla's podcast and Bald Brian did a review and you know but the thing with Bald Brian is he loves movies but he doesn't know how to review them without just telling you what happened in the movie <laughs> and his then this movie, happened and then this happened his fucking movie reviews are are just telling you the beats of the plot and I'm like that's not how you fucking review movies idiot but so anyway, there are some very major things in Blade Runner, and I don't know. Maybe if you're not a huge fan of the original, these just seemed like you know things that set up the movie. But if you, but I know that he's seen the original more than once, and 
I don't know. I, I'm hoping that I can get to a point where I forget about that completely, about what I've re- learned about the movie, and I can kind of lie to myself and go in blind. <laughs> but I'm just going to be pissed off. I'm be like, yeah, I already knew that shit. <laughs> you know, where I should be going, oh, fuck. That's amazing idea. Yeah, see, that's... So, uh... and, and, it, and it's just like everywhere. I mean... Whenever a Netflix show comes out, uh, you know, I like to I like to read a handful of uh, comic book websites because I like to read a lot of monthly comics, and so you kind of need to keep up on. Especially if you're a reader like me, you follow, you tend to follow certain creators more so than than the characters. There's certain characters that will always have a, a place in my heart, but and I'll you know. I'm not saying suffer through stuff, but I mean, if, if the character isn't being written right, I'm not going to buy the shit just because it's Wolverine or Captain America or something like that. I yeah. follow more like the exceptional artists and the writers and what projects they're working on. And so it's gotten to the point where I can, on Wednesdays, I don't even go on any of those sites. I'm, I'm not going to my comic book shop every Wednesday. I usually go bi-weekly and pick my shit up. And it's not always on a Wednesday. I usually don't get out there until the weekends. But every Wednesday, it's a bunch of reveals about what happened and all these spoilers. I'm like, my God. If you wanted to know that bad, you'd be reading the fucking book. This is just a bunch of clickbait shit. Yeah. And then it's worth, I mean, at least in those environments, you can identify it and avoid it. And a lot of these sites are, you know, to their credit, are pretty good at giving you a lot of advance warning of just, you know, a lot of redacted stuff and spoiler warnings and, and all this and don't read this. But sometimes it's so blatant in the headline. Like recently, I'll just make up an example, but because I don't, I don't have a, a real one to pull out of my ass, but uh, there is the, the Batman proposal to Catwoman in the Batman book recently. And, there was uh, it's kind of drawn out story. Like on one end of it is the proposition, but then before you get to hear the answer, you have to understand this whole other six-part story. And at the end of that, you get whether Catwoman says yes or no to the proposal. And so, you know, on that day where that comic book came out, you know, there's stories that were just like, you know, in the new bat issue of Batman. Cat uh, or blank says yes. <laughs> like, well, yeah. I fucking know what that means. Like, if I'm following that book, it, just removing somebody's name and saying, you know, if the book's well written, it's pointing you in a certain direction. Doesn't always go that direction, but that's the whole point of of having these kind of left turns in in fiction. You can set somebody up to say, oh, you really think it's going this way, and then you're going to be surprised when it doesn't. Right? Yeah. And these are the type of things that move the plot forward in your story. So to just imply you know, whether the, how, how a certain plot point turns out, if you're following that story, you can read right through the, those headlines. But those are bad enough. Try getting on Twitter. I mean, oh, fuck, fuck that. I just I have to tune out like as soon as I see Stranger Things I just keep going. Yeah. I'm like I'm not I'm not going to look at any other word 
in that because people will just fucking spoil a major plot point in one sentence. Like, oh, I can't believe it that, you know, this happened to this guy. Well, I will say this, um, and I guess I'm warning you, Aaron, as well as any listeners who haven't finished it, who maybe like to peruse different, uh, uh, like, I don't know, political sites. Apparently, yeah. this season of, Stra- of Stranger Things, uh, especially the more pop culture slash political sites, has, has, has really riled up people on the SJW side and the alt-right for whatever reason. Um, and luckily, I'd seen all the episodes, and I'm reading an article that had nothing to do with Stranger Things, nothing okay. really even to do with, with movies or television. Right. And boom, out of nowhere, they dropped something. That would have ruined the fucking season for me if I had not watched it. And I was like, wow. Dick move. You guys are cocksuckers. Seriously. <laughs> like, yeah. I would be pissed. Kind of one of the reasons I fell off of, of Orange is the New Black. It was not the season that came out this year, but last season. I was a few episodes into it, and I was reading an article about it, and then, bam, all of a sudden, like, two huge spoilers in the article. I'm like, well, fuck this. Yeah. Like, it... it it, it it killed it for me. I was like, I don't want to watch that. And I like those characters. Well, one of them anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and yeah, honestly, I haven't messed with the Orange is New Black for the last two seasons because, yeah, I got tired of having shit spoiled out of nowhere. The, kind the last of, two seasons were a clusterfuck anyway. Well, it's kind of, I was going to say, kind of like how, I mean, I don't... Spoiler alert, if you haven't watched last season of Walking Dead, skip ahead for two to three minutes. I knew it was going to be Abraham and Glenn because someone took pictures on the set of them in the makeup. Right. After Negan got done with them, like in the makeup chair, like giving the thumbs up. And I was like, okay, well, Glenn's eyes popped out of his head and Abraham's head split open. I don't think they tripped and fell. You know what I'm saying? I, I like I was con- coming back from whatever happened to him. Yeah, I, I can pretty much guarantee that that's a baseball bat to the dome. That's what done that. Mm-hmm. And that's I think maybe that was part of the reason I didn't really enjoy last season as much as as much as I, I, I thought I would. And then on top of it, I just got really tired of the Yo, you're going to regret that and everybody being scared of Negan. That's how come the first episode of this season when they show up and Rick's talking to Negan and he goes, are you really going to make me count? And he he starts (laughs) at 10 and by the time he gets to 8, he's just shooting. I'm like, exactly. Fuck that motherfucker. What are you scared of? Jeffrey Dean Morgan in skinny jeans? Shoot that son of a bitch. Fuck him. Negan comes out and prances around and, you know, and lectures. And I'm and like, he's what, just, was, what the fuck? Why haven't you shot him already? And what was, it was I think it was the end of that episode where uh, Carver from The Wire, <laughs> uh, uh, Father Carver, I, I can't remember his character. I just know he's the priest. Um, he gets caught in a trailer with Negan, and Negan goes, I hope you got your shitting pants on. And I'm thinking, you have an automatic rifle in your hand. Shoot this fucker right now. Why let him even explain why you need your shitting pants on? Kill him. I, you know, that's, 
I don't it, know. It, it was the it was the same type of sloppy writing that turned me off from Orange is the New Black as well. It became it seemed like the the actions that the characters were doing were just there to move the plot forward. It didn't seem natural at all, right? I mean, like you pointed out, Negan should have been shot multiple times in the season opener, but that would be end of story. So it can't happen. So there has to be reasons why, but none of them seem reasonable. Yeah. It's, I mean, like I had a lot of problems with the, with the second to last season of Orange is the New Black. I watched the first episode of the last season and I was like, none of these people are acting like human beings. This all seems staged. Like I know, I understand it is staged and it is fiction, but it, if it's that transparent, it's not enjoyable. Well, I just, I, I get that not maybe not everybody has a I'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees attitude. And I also get that when put into a situation in real life versus watching a fictional situation, people go, well, you don't know how you would react. Fair enough. But, but yeah, but I, most people I, would be scared and start shooting. Yeah, there's just a point where it's like, I know that if I surrender, he's going to drag me in front of everybody, torture me with the the idea of what he's going to do to me for however long his monologue lasts, mm-hmm. and then go ahead and do it. Fuck that. I'll take a bullet to the head. Yeah. What, what? It's like if I ask you, would you rather die slow of stomach cancer or just die in your sleep peacefully? Well, gee, that's not even a fucking decision. Yeah. You know, it, in contrast, the last season of Fear the Walking Dead, while it got off to kind of a shaky start, did actually develop into a story that I bought and, and it involved a lot of characters acting like real people. I, I thought it was actually quite good. Yeah, I'm, deba- I'm debating whether to start that show because, like I said, I, I gave the first season a few episodes and was like, nope. Yeah. But, but now that they're going to the- do the crossover and it's it's official they're going to do the crossover, I feel like I have to know a little bit about the characters at least. So Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it got off to a rough start the same way that, that the main show did. I mean, the first season of Walking Dead is kind of weird because it seems to set you up for a story that is not going to happen. It, it spends a whole season telling you this is not going to be this show. This is not the show where we find the cure. That's not what this is about. I don't know why they needed one whole season to tell you that when it could have been done in one episode. Like, hey, those guys can help. Place blows up. Guess not. Let's keep moving and hope we find food. <laughs> that's, that's all it should have been. Yeah, but there, that's, something, that's something after I watched that first season, I appreciated more about The Stand by Stephen King because yeah. he pretty much established, I mean, it's a, ungodly long book i think it's like the uncut version mm-hmm. like 1400 pages but he established fairly early on in the uh in in the plague that no there's going to be no cure for the plague and there's no guarantee that the people born after the plague are going to have an immunity to it even if both their parents do yeah you know it's going to be a crapshoot it's just that's that's the way it is in in the in the fictional world he created and what? so it wasn't half a book of we got to get to the CDC and get a cure because one of the characters escaped the CDC and said there is no cure. So Right. Yeah, just yeah, yeah just tie that off completely. Let's not even think about that. That's not the story that we're going to tell here. And you know this is interesting too because 
I was listening to um, Fat Man and Batman, uh, and Mark Bernard and Kevin Smith's co-host is talking about why he isn't watching The Walking Dead anymore. And he he said, you know, I just I stopped caring about the the characters. But then when he elaborated on it, he was like, what, what's the end game for any of these people? You know, what is the end story here? I've already been told that there's, it's not going to be that there's a cure for zombieism or whatever, and that they then can start to rebuild society. So what is it? What's the, what's the end that I'm hoping for, for any of these characters? It's completely nebulous. Yeah. An entertaining death. It's about, it's about all you can really hope for, for any of the characters right. in that show. You know, but, you know, speaking of Stephen King, I have been reading good things about, uh, well, there's a number of, uh, of his different properties that are being developed for various television platforms now. One of them, what's the one on Amazon? I'm, I'm unfamiliar with the, the source material. I think it's just a date. 1922? Yeah, I was going to say 1922. I wasn't sure if I was right. Uh, there was a short story in one of his more recent uh, short story collections. Okay. And it might even have been a novella in, uh, in one of his short story collections, like, like The Mist was in uh, Skeleton Crew. Um, to be honest with you, I have a vague memory of that story, uh, and I haven't seen any of it. I, I just like I haven't seen Gerald's game, um, mm-hmm. but I mean I've read the book. I know the I know the gist of the story. Pretty sure they changed some of it up because they always seem to do, you know to do that. But uh, I mean it's got it's got good actors in it. I mean Thomas Jane's in it, and you know no matter how you felt about his turn as the Punisher, I thought he did a damn good job and missed, especially with that okay. ending. I didn't see that. Um, okay. I liked I liked Thomas Jane in his uh, was it the HBO show or Showtime the the one where oh, he played Hung? the gigolo? Hung. Yeah. I really liked yeah. him in that. Um, not so much in that space drama that he was in. I watched the first season of that, and that was kind of hokey. He played like this hard-boiled space detective with floppy hair. Um, uh, but yeah, wow. I mean, he I he can no be idea good. <laughs> Is it? The Abyss, I think it's called. Anyway, it was a sci-fi drama, but okay. with the right with the right material, I think Thomas Jane can be competent. Uh, you said it was on TV. Oh, The Expanse. The Expanse, yes. The Expanse is a really good story, but I don't know. It's just not getting it done on a certain level for me, and I'm not sure where that is. I fear it might be in the. Mm, the acting ability of most of the cast. <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I I'm sitting that, here. I, I, I just want to say real quick, I'm sitting here online because I had to look his shit up to see what was going on. Apparently, he's in uh, The Predator, the next movie in The Predator franchise. Yeah, The Predator franchise. Are they, they kind of going for a reboot with it? By, you know, uh, well, it's written by Shane Black, and who did... The lead, the first two lethal weapons and kiss kiss bang bang and right, which I loved. Um, uh, it doesn't have so far. Doesn't didn't he? Didn't he do that? Uh, Ryan Gosling and what's his name movie too? The two fuck up detectives or is that somebody else? 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, yeah. The, uh, what was it? The other guys? No, I think that was the Will Ferrell oh, one. Yeah. Shit. You know, know the movie I'm talking about, about though. Yeah. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think if that was the same. Yeah, that was him. Okay. The nice guys. The nice guys. Yes, thank you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I haven't been I haven't disappointed by, by Shane Black so far. As far that sounds intriguing. To to, I guess this is good news. Is that the movie's done filming, and it's got a release date, and they're not putting a whole lot out there about what it's gonna what's gonna be in it. So maybe they're, you know, what I'm saying they're, if if it's gonna there seems not, to be a direct relation to how much promotional material you have for your movie and previews and whatnot versus how confident you are that it's actually going to make your money back. Oh, like the, okay. The less confident you are that this movie's going to do well, the more you're cutting new cuts for trailers and yeah, you know, everybody's hitting the the uh, the interviews really hard talking up the movie. When you can just uh, lean back and go, "Oh, you're all going to want to see this next Predator movie." And that's all we need to say. Then yeah yeah it says it says it's set in the present day after Predator one and two, but before the events of the Predators movie, and that was the one with uh, uh oh shit Adrian Brody where they where they capture him and drop drop him on the planet that's like basically a uh uh the planet they used to hunt right. where the aliens capture people from all over the universe and just drop them there like a game preserve. I don't even remember if I saw that one. It was all right. Had a nice little twist in it, but I mean, it was a, it was definitely a popcorn movie. It wasn't it wasn't a uh, like you know oh wow that this is a deep movie that had a message. No, it's it's a popcorn right. movie, but it had a nice little little twist in there that it was like oh oh okay okay right. I get it now. You know that's what I I, I like movies like that. I, I enjoy watching movies where there's. There doesn't have to be a whole lot of plot, and you know, as long as it's just enjoyable for what it is. Uh, I thought I was going to get that out of Arrival, though. Everyone seemed to imply that there is definitely a greater message in that movie, and I'm like, really, that's it? I'm like, this is like Contact all over again. Turned out to be your fucking father. Like, <laughs> this is uh, first of Wait. all, it didn't do anything different than Contact, other than show you aliens. Wow. And, we are on complete opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to that movie. Did you like Arrival? I thought it was a big pile of bullshit. I thought it was I a very, it. very nice looking pile of bullshit. But ultimately, it was like I, you know, I, I liked it, and I. But then again, oh, about communication. I mean, that was like a, a subplot in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, but I. I'm about to say something that's indefensible, especially in your eyes after hearing what you just said. I I liked Contact, so I don't. Uh, oh, I I liked Contact. I did. <laughs> I actually I mean, I did. Thought, I, I thought, I thought Contact it a, is a, it's a better I, movie than Arrival. I thought it made a good point of pointing out that you know they were like, no, you dropped straight through. There was no you. There was you didn't visit any world or nothing. You dropped straight through. And she's like, no, I did. And Matthew McConaughey, who was like the the half-assed Christian in that movie, was like, "Now do you see what it's like when people question your faith?" 
But you know what you know what you you know what truly happened, and you just go on with life. And coming from Carl Sagan, an avowed atheist, I thought that was a pretty even-handed way to handle that subject. So, mm. but you know, that was also before I found out that you know Matthew McConaughey was Matthew McConaughey. So he didn't annoy me as much as he does now. You know, yeah, Mr. I can, I'm allergic to shirts. <laughs> he only bugs me in uh, commercials, like <laughs> car commercials. And like, I don't know, he's fucking advertising cologne or watches or something. He doesn't like, wear deodorant. He, so if he's advertising cologne, that's a big pile of bullshit. I don't know what he was advertising. He's in a lot of different commercials. Hey, alcohol, something or other. No, he does. Yeah. yeah. I, Wild Turkey and, and, and him, it's like chocolate and peanut butter. I can see those two going together. That's a, I can see that. Wild Turkey? Like, really? Hey, man, seven years old, 101 proof. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few nights where I wrestled with the, with the wild one. <laughs> That's battle you always lose. Oh every yeah, time. it's like arguing with old granddad. It's never going to end well. <laughs> I don't know. Whiskeys are like IPAs to me. Like there's a shit ton of really bad tasting ones out there, and only a few good ones. But a lot of people just drink it for because it is what it is. I I guess I have a I, apparently I developed it's a taste an acquired for whiskey. taste. <laughs> Apparently, I acquired the taste very quickly compared to other people because I, Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, then I graduated to Maker's Mark. I've had Johnny Walker, like Blue, a few times, and I was like, this is all good to me. And an IPA, that's, might as well just say, prepare for your underwear to go four inches up your asshole because it's just, a, it's just a, a can of bitterness to me. I can't handle an <laughs> IPA. When we when we did the the first pilot episode of beer, the Beer Nuts, when we mm-hmm. oh, what, what's his name, uh, Chris? Michigan beer the, guy. Yes, we had John. him on, and he was passing around the IPAs. It took everything in me not to be like, ugh, and make the gas face when I took a <laughs> drink of it. And he was like, "What do you think of it?" I'm like, "Yeah, IPAs, not for me." You know, you know, it's about the most polite thing I can say when he passed it to me. Oh. Well, hey, I I think I only said Russia once this episode. There you go. Well, that's because now it's come out that Hillary colluded with Russia, and since oh, you've right. got a liberal bent, you don't want to talk about that story no more. That's, that's right. <laughs> the Alex Jones deadites are coming for you, buddy. Oh, my God. Somebody, uh, one of the... Infowars reporters is talking about how Hitler was still alive and the U.S. is covering it up. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I would turn off whatever I was listening to at that point. And Billy Corgan is an avowed Alex Jones follower. He's dead to me. How far far has he fallen? Uh, You know, I I, I recently reread an interview with Buzz Osborne from like the late nineties where he was goofing on Billy Corgan. Cause this is after uh, Darcy and James Eha had been ejected from the band. Yeah. And apparently Being the all the talent was, with Jim, with Jimmy Chamberlain. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like there goes, um, there goes your band. Okay. 
And apparently, you don't have shit but a drum machine anymore. In the industry, it was a poorly kept secret that he was looking for another female bass player, an Asian guitar player. <laughs> and Buzz Osborne yeah. goes, At what point does a female bass player and an Asian guitar player matter? Can you play the parts or not? No. Yeah. What does it fucking matter? And he, the bitch of it is. Is that I read this interview just recently, but it was like I said from the late '90s. Going back and looking at the lineup after Buzz Osborne said that in that interview, he got Melissa uh, Duofmar or whatever her name is from Hole, and he had some Asian dude on guitar. And I'm like, oh my god, hmm. dude, it was fucking true. Yeah. Billy Corgan is a fucking idiot. I, I've never like thought that Billy Corrigan was the exceptional member of that band, and Smashing Pumpkins are just they're one of those bands that this isn't even that rare in rock in my opinion but the what's the phrase the the whole is greater than the sum of the parts yeah like it it was something about the way those people came together at that moment and managed in my opinion to do a body of work that encompasses you know number of singles an ep and the first two albums which is notable but beyond that when you it's not the type of thing where it's not Radiohead. We're like, I'm going to listen to a Radiohead album, love it. And then Tom York is going to come out with an album. I'm like, that's fucking good too. And then what's his name? The fucking guitar player does a soundtrack. And I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. Like these guys are all geniuses working together. That's not Smashing Pumpkins. No, but I, I mean, will say this. The most I, talented member was the one that was there the least. And that was the fucking drummer. I was going to say uh, uh, Jimmy Chamberlain. If, if I, if, out of all the drummers that are alive right now, if I had to pick one oh, man. to jam with, just to jam with, what it would pocket. be, it, I mean, that be guy, Jimmy Chamberlain. Fucking, yeah, He grew so fucking hard on those first two albums. And seeing him live, I mean, I, was, I saw Smashing Pumpkins live every chance I could get. And it's not so I could, like, or whatever, like, sing along with every word that, uh, that Billy Corrigan was saying or so I could swoon over Darcy. I mean, it was just to hear that sound as it existed. Yeah, I've turned a few drummers oh. on to, to, they're like, I don't like Smashing Pumpkins. And I said, well, what don't you like? I don't like their first album. I'm like, you don't like Gish? No, that's not their first album. You you think Siamese Dreams are first album? No, that's not their first album. No, they don't uh, like Melancholy. Uh, like, yeah, no uh, shit. The Infinite Melancholy and Pissed Off Sadness. I'm like, that's like their right. That's such their, their third album, but their fourth release. I'm like, dude, you got to listen to Gish. And then they'll come back and go, holy shit, dude. This was their first album? What happened? Like Money. That's what yeah, happened. Money, money and Billy Corgan's ego. That's what happened. And yet those songs stick. You know, 89X has still got fucking, I don't know, what was it? Was it 1984? 1979. 1979. Okay, there you go. And... Uh, Bullet with butterfly wings. Yeah, disarm. The rat, rat in the cage one. Uh, wait, disarm it's, was from uh, Siamese Dream. I don't hear that one. Oh, you're right. They really, they really dip back into the first two albums, unless they're doing some sort of like, I don't know, retro thing. Or I don't even know what they do fucking now. I like, I scan through the radio stations desperately looking for good music occasionally, but and the thing I played over NPR, the weekend. Part of the music when you were sitting down yeah. was they had uh, they were playing today from the player piano from Westworld. Oh yeah, 
It was Gen X wedding. I was nice. going to say, yeah, come on now. <laughs> what millennial wedding were you at where they were playing that? That's pretty no. sweet. It's us, old, it's us old people. Although, Rich, I've heard some disturbing things about uh, people in our age group that we are we are both in the cusp that we are supposed to share traits of both Gen X and Millennials. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I have... It's called uh, fake news and I close the browser. Well, yeah, yeah I have a few... fence sitters. Pick a side. I've had a few friends who were older than me uh, who, yeah, they're like, dude, you're not a real Gen Xer. And I'm like, you know what, bro? If this is how it's going to be, just suck my ass. Like, seriously, <laughs> do do, do I fall in by any parameters of date that has been thrown out? Do I fall into the Gen Xers? Yes. Then shut up. I don't want to hear. <laughs> All right. And if I was a millennial, I would be a self-hating millennial. So it's fine. You know, there's plenty of Gen Zers out there who want to be millennials. We had one on our show. Calling you out, Monique. I know you're not listening, but I'm still calling you out. Huh. So, hey, whatever. You know, I th- my prediction is that as our, life, our, as our lifespans continue to grow and the flow of information continues to flow unimpeded, we're going to see a gradual watering out of our culture where we're not seeing these clear-cut lines between generations anymore. <clears throat> Maybe we'll just focus more on personality types, but... I don't know, this idea that, like, you know, each generation in this country has certain characteristics that are identifiable, kind of bullshit pseudoscience. See, I always took it until they started lumping it, until the slacker narrative for Gen X really started. I always thought it was just a way to lump together a group of people who have nothing in common, but it, except right. for shared experiences in pop culture. Right, but it, that's, that's it, exactly. It's shared experience. And what do they talk about as the defining characteristics of whatever generation? It's not about action. It's about things that are put upon them. You know, big events in this country, like 9-11, the death of Kurt Cobain, the fucking John F. Kennedy getting assassinated, the Vietnam War, whatever it was, these are shit. This is shit that happened in the world, and people were affected by it and reacted in a certain way. It wasn't a defining characteristic of a generation. Neither was the way that they responded to it. It's just a unique situation. So anyway, well, I mean, that's, hey, that's my prediction for the future. We'll see if hopefully we live a long, long enough to be for me to be proven wrong. If we slide into the future and, and everything. we do we do focus more on an individual and, and, and focus more on people as individuals versus what group do you right. identify with and then we're going to yeah. separate ourselves by that, I'm down for it. Unfortunately, I just, I know this is, I just said that and now I'm going to go against what I said, but uh, the millennials ain't going to be the generation to herald in that era. Right. That motherfuckers well, just, never met a never met a label they didn't like. I was right. gonna say it, the the one devil's advocate I'd played in your theory, Aaron, is we love to put people in boxes right now, probably more at any time in history. Yeah, but we also do a lot of that based on appearance, and as rejuvenation technology progresses and science into what makes cells break down progresses, 
we're not only going to be living longer, but we're going to look like we're 20 for almost our entire lives. And then Ugh. just shrivel up at the very end like uh, God, like, that's gonna uh, s- like Dick Clark. <laughs> it's going to suck and, for MILF porn. So, so if I'm like 60 years old and I'm wearing whatever the current you know, 20-year-olds are wearing and running around, no one's going to be like, that fucking, who's, who's that guy lying to? You know, sorry about your penis, dude. Yeah, it's just, I, I'm going to be indistinguishable. <laughs> Aaron, you're going to be able to be the old guy at the club, but you're going to be incognito as fuck. There you go. Right, that's what I'm saying. You're not going to be able to tell by appearance what generation somebody might come from. So you don't come at them with some preformed notion of who that person is. In, until you pull like, your dick out. Here we go. Out. Here comes a Gen Xer. They're going to be like despondent and. You know, this person over here is a fucking millennial, so they're going to be self-absorbed. And until you, until you're fucking one of those twenty-year-olds, and you pull your dick out, and a puff of dust comes out when you go to shoot it on her chest, she won't know you're an old guy. Right? She'll exactly. just be like, "Wow, this this twenty-year-old, he fucks a lot better and has a lot more tricks in his bag than most twenty-year-olds." What's that's going to be on a robot body anyway? That's my uh, spermicide nanites. So <laughs> they just deploy in order to kill all the sperm. That's fine. They kill diseases too. I mean, oh, what shit. a world so, the future will be. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, should we wrap it up? <laughs> I think so. Yes, in more ways than one. Hey, <laughs> until we have spermicide nanites, we wrap it up. Yes. I'm hey. just waiting for Robot Bukaki, where they just shoot oil all over the fucking female robot in the middle of the circle jerk. Robokaki? Robokaki, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, so just name the episode right at the end. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks, everybody, who's been listening, who's been downloading, sharing, reviewing, giving us five stars, wherever you listen to us. Please do that. It helps. Uh, if you want to go over to ChristopherMedia.net, you check out all the other podcasts that we got there. You know, why don't you give a listen to Sporty? Rich and I get together and, and rant about sports and fight with our other co-host for a couple hours every week. Yeah, and about what? About 40 minutes in this week, I just had a complete breakdown. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Rich yelled at both of us. <laughs> I was yelling at everybody. <laughs> Not just you guys. I was even yelling at myself at a certain point. <laughs> that, that is true. You did attack yourself at one point. <laughs> yeah, check out Sporty every Thursday on ChristopherMedia.net, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever the hell you get your podcasts from. Uh, you can Give us a couple shekels that you know if you just click on the donate button, you click through the sponsors. It's you know, it's coming up on now that it's November, I believe Santa Claus is now making his appearance in your Ooh. favorite shopping location. So if you don't do that and you use the computer like most people do now, you know, click on the Amazon button. Give us a little you know, doesn't cost anything extra, helps us out. Uh, at Unregimented Pod on Twitter. Uh, unregimented uh, on Facebook and yeah they're all unregimented at ChristopherMedia.net if you want to email us thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week later guys see ya
If you like this show, please tell a friend. Please follow us on Twitter and like and share us on Facebook by searching for Christopher Media. You can subscribe to all ChristopherMedia.net shows for free on ChristopherMedia.net. Please make sure to rate and comment on all your favorite Christopher Media shows. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. And thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.